This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that, like Chelsea, is not in the least bit defensive. Indeed. Uh, Now, while Chelsea contrived to almost snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against Crystal Palace last week, on Saturday they handed it on a plate to Sheffield United. Once again, the defence were culpable with individual errors costing us dear. The supporters were not happy. Frank Lampard was not happy. JK is seriously not happy. Happy, Marco and I, well, uh, time will tell. But Frank was right. It's not just the errors, but the limp and quiet performance that hurt more. Uh, remarkably, thanks to Le- Leicester self-combusting, Chelsea find themselves third in the table. And unless they put in any more abject performances like the one against Sheffield, still have a good chance of making the top four. I'll leave you with this. Since three started their sponsorship, Chelsea have either scored or conceded three. They are currently still in third position. It appears that three is the magic number. Or not. Anyway, uh, the title of tonight's show is Like a Blade Through Butter. Chelsea Fancast number 513. And on the show tonight, of course, we have the wonderful Mr Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on, but I'm not happy. I know you're not happy. You told me me in a reply to my somewhat pithy tweet, you said, I'm not a happy bunny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was happy bunny, which is, as I thought lessened it a bit, made it sound slightly yeah, fluffy. I know. Uh, do you know what though? I, I yeah. therefore decided not to respond for fear of winding you up further, <laughs> and also I was incredibly drunk. Uh, that that's more likely though the latter one, isn't yeah, it? Rather exactly. than the white. Best way to be at the moment, J.K. Got to be honest hey, with you. If only I drank. Yeah. Now. Uh, we have the we, three is the magic number tonight because there are three of us tonight. Not four, not five, not two, but three. And uh, the third of a jolly good bunch, uh, of course, is our dear friend, the lovely Mr. Gate Seventeen himself, Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera, come by. Oh, we're all good, mate. Always, always happy to see you. Actually, it's great to see you, mate. Uh, 
in these funny old lockdown times, which I still think of it as lockdown, you know, that we don't actually get to see each other, but it's lovely to see you virtually. So there you go. You well? You all right? Yeah, all good. All, all good. good. Good stuff. Right. Well, on the show tonight, uh, loads. I mean, God oh, blimey, it's packed tonight. Packed. Anyway, um, we're going to ask, what can you do about individual errors? And in this context, how much is Frank Lampard to blame? In part two, we look at Chelsea's lack of leadership on the pitch, uh, with the players' mentality being questioned by yet another manager. Uh, with Frank clearly not happy which players are on his hit list. And wrapping up the defeat to Sheffield United, we ponder the fact that perspective means not having one's cake and eating it too. And in part three, uh, we look back at the win against Crystal Palace, punctuated by panic in Chelsea's defence and a cameo by much maligned Jorginho. And if that wasn't enough, uh, we look forward to Chelsea's crunch match against Norwich tomorrow. And in part four, as we always do, we wrap up with your emails and a quick, uh, you know, news flash on that. There are so many this week. So first of all, thank you. Brilliant. Love you for that. There is a very good chance we we might not get through them all. So any we don't get through, we will carry them over. But we'll just we'll just see how we do later on. All right. So there you go. We read them really quickly, Chief, can't we? No, but I think that doesn't give them the justice they deserve. It never does. But I was just giving you an option. Yeah, I know. I know. I've heard your your uh, when you read the T and Cs on a commercial, mate. Yeah, you know, we could. That, it, it becomes meaningless. I know. Are we, are we going to mention uh, Sete at all? Well, I don't know. We'll see if if we if we get time. You know, I kind of thought about it, and I just thought, well, who gives a fuck? <laughs> 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 but anyway, well, it could vaguely affect the way that the uh, the Premier League goes. Well, I think that's next, where we could talk about it because we, we 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 will talk about you know where we now stand in terms of yeah. finishing third, yeah. fourth, and fifth. Financial so fair play as well. It will come into that. All right, just for you, J.K. We will thanks, talk. Thanks very much. Why we yeah, want to why we want to talk about Tony Cascarino? I do not know, but hey tumbleweed right on that very happy note yeah i I liked old cas actually anyway of course uh don't forget i know you probably never forget this but don't forget if you have forgotten that you can listen to the show live every monday at 7 p.m by going to mixler which is m-i-x-l-r.com forward slash chelsea hyphen fancast where of course you can join in the chat as so many of you do uh, and there are loads and 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 loads of you in there tonight. Actually, that's great to see. Good to see. Uh, who have we got in? We got uh, Kurt Kepler. If she don't come, Steve Mower, uh, Aussie sign my broken leg, Benji Toe, uh, Niash Manyumwa. I think. I hope I've I've said that right. Niash and love. I don't think we don't think we've seen you before, so it's nice to see you. Uh, ben Short, Gaffer, the Gaffer's in the house, Garfield Bailey, excellent. So many more of you. I'm not going to sit here wasting your time by reading everybody out, but it's lovely to see you in here. Jonathan, what? Niesh sent me a rather lovely note, and I think I've been uh, um, uh, um, remiss in not mentioning him. He sent me a note, and I said I'd mention him, and I haven't, and well, I apologise. There we but go. There he is. We've we've just mentioned him on, on the show because he's in it's, Mixler. He said, "Good evening." Good so he's, stuff. He's got a sense of humour, that's for sure. All right, after this very short interlude, we're going to be talking all about Sheffield United versus Chelsea. <clears throat>
Okay, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I'm Chidge, Stanford Chidge. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly having trouble actually speaking English today. I don't know why. I was, I was afflicted like this last week. I do try. I will try and put my teeth in. Otherwise, you have to endure this for the next two hours. Um, right. Anyway, uh, first uh, uh, item on the agenda this evening, of course, is the horrible three-nil defeat uh, to Sheffield United that we endured. Because I think that's the only way of describing it. Really, we endured it. On uh, on sat on Saturday evening, um, and understandably, Frank Lampard was not a happy camper at all. And none of us were. I mean, that's the truth of it. But uh, I, this is what uh, he said to I think it was Jeff Shreves, uh, Sky's reporter, right after the match. Well worth a listen. This well worth a listen. I think. Frank, a bitterly disappointing day for Chelsea. Where and how did that go wrong? They were better than us. So. Um, Better than us physically, better than us in the mind, better than us with the ball. So you lose a game. Mentally, were they better? They were stronger than us. I think you could feel that. And uh, we don't have a crowd at the minute, so you feel, you hear every voice. All I could hear was Sheffield United voices. Um, So they were stronger in that sense. And they're good players. They're a good team. We all know that this season. So if if you come here and perform below par collectively as we did, it's going to happen. What were you looking to change at half-time? Were you matched them shape-wise? Yeah, we matched them, and that's, that's not a, That's just obviously you have you respect the way they play. But um, we were too slow with the ball. We weren't even getting our, you know our wingers into the game, and our wingers have been fantastic in restart. We weren't getting them into the game, so we just tried to to get some more control of the game, which we did have after that. But we never looked overly threatening, and they still had the counter-attack. So it, it definitely made us look more solid against their shape, but. Um, Already at 2-0 down, you make it really difficult for yourself. Defensively, disappointing goals? Yeah, disappointing. Mistakes, mistakes. I've got to be careful to overanalyse this one because it's what you do. You you analyse all season, review, look forward. Uh, What we have to do now with that game is is put that to bed because the only thing that matters now is that we fight for top four and um, that we're still in that race because of how we've been this season. Um, We have to put this game away very quickly, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot and I won't forget that. Might that not be possible because the next time you kick off, results go against you, you're outside the top four. Yeah, which is the real damage from today. Yeah, but that's the reality of it. But that's um, I'm not I'm not concerned so much about top four today. And all I do is is sit and watch all the games that you show on TV and consider where we're at and what we want to do because of course I want to get there. But today I'm concerned about how we performed and uh, and I learned a lot about that. I don't. I'm not thinking right now we might be fifth, we might still be third or fourth or whatever. I'm not thinking that. We'll see. We'll see by the time those teams play and by the time we approach Norwich um, and we cannot approach Norwich or Manchester United or Liverpool and Wolves in the same vein as we did today. Frank, thanks for your time. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, not a happy, uh, not a happy man at all, actually. And I don't blame him, uh, JK. I really don't. And I mean, you know, I think the couple of things that came out of that which which interested me was really actually I'm going to I'm going to save that later what I first want to talk about and you know he kind of alluded to this in the interview I mean he alluded to a lot of things that's why I actually bothered to record it I, I was listening to it and I thought oh blimey this is very interesting to hear him talking here but the reality is um, shocking though the defeat was, shocking though the quietness which he alluded to was, shocking though the lack of leadership was that we will get into in part two, shocking though the inability to compete with Sheffield United in any way, shape or form was, and very much a team issue. 
you cannot deny, surely, JK, that we lost that match really because three, well, directly three players made horrendous mistakes. And I know that for at least two of the goals, you can attribute it to four or five players making mistakes. But I think the question that I'm really desperately wanting to ask is, what on earth do you do about individual errors? Well, but I actually think there's a wider aspect going on here, which is um, uh, I think he got it horrendously wrong. And I'm a little bit perturbed to hear him say, I learned a lot. Well, lots of the things that we saw have been pretty predictable and we've seen all through the season. And and I think we we the, the meltdown we've all experienced is very similar to the Bayern game where we, we didn't compete either and they were all over us. It just is the the desperate aspect of it is it's, it's Sheffield United. But it was very interesting watching Mourinho yesterday play against um, Arsenal, how they did a very similar thing of hunting in packs and pressing. And his immediate reaction was to just um, uh, play the two up and because uh, he'd started with that and kick the ball down the pitch. And uh, constant, consequently, they were always an attacking force and it spread it. And I found it um, uh, disappointing that Frank just persisted with the same um, meaningless tippy-tappiness out of the goal, which we were under pressure all the time and never, ever got an opportunity to attack. And I felt that that was that 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 uh, that initially just put a, a damper on the whole thing. And I wonder whether the, the not that it should ever happen, but the enthusiasm for actually getting anything against United seemed to just ooze out of the team because they could not get up the pitch. But it seemed pretty obvious to me that if the other side is pressing in your half, as we played against City, is you boot the ball up the pitch and run after it. I'm sorry, it creates space and it's a it's a tactic that they were like, they were like talking of bunnies because i know you're not a happy bunny but they were like bunnies yeah. caught in the headlights weren't they completely completely they shouldn't be like bunnies caught in the head, headlights with united with sheffield united it was um i mean hats off to to the way they play but what's he been doing frank over the last few few months is he not aware that they play like that i didn't see anything different from the way they've played all season he must. He, he really should have. They played well, against that, uh, the bridge. Surely he's looked at them and then thought, "I won't play the expansive game that I want to play because we won't. We, I, I won't play out from the back because we won't succeed." I, I fear, Jonathan, we we just won't find the answer to that. Although I do understand what you're saying. I mean, Marco, there is a as always. There's two sides to this, isn't there? And okay, you could say, well, if Sheffield United are that bloody good, why aren't they the champions at the moment? And clearly they're not. But they are a very good side. They are incredibly well drilled. By I mean, when I was doing that Love Sports show uh, in the mornings with Paul Mortimer, you may remember the lovely old Mortz. He used to play for Charlton. He knows Chris Wilder really, really well. And earlier in the season, when the, when the show was still going, I would because I had to I had to for my sins talk about other football than Chelsea. I didn't even know that this kind of thing existed. But uh, I would talk to Mortz about Chef, and he was absolutely effusive of his praise with Chris Wilder. And he said he he manages like he used to play, and you know he wasn't the most talented player in the world, but he was he was a very smart guy, and he would size things up, and he would find a way. And I I think he's done remarkable things with Sheffield United, and they're a very good side, and they've done it to other teams. It's not just us; they absolutely, you know, basically blew Tottenham away with a similar tactic. But that having been said, Marco, whilst appreciating that they're a damn good side and they're, and also, I think, very difficult to play against, 
Um, how much of the blame should Frank really shoulder on this? I think JK's got a few good points there. I mean, personally, I think you should shoulder all the blame because, you know, uh, what Sheffield United did yesterday, as you've highlighted, is what they've been, the way they've been playing all season, <laughs> which is 3-5-2, which is kind of peak Antonio Conte without the, um, the gifted players that Antonio Conte had at his, his disposal. But what Wilder's done is look at that system and say, OK, right, well, we've got Ben Osborne and Ender Stevens on the left and, you know, Baldock and Burge on the right. Um, and we'll see what we can do. And, you know, to be honest with you, <coughs> I think it was the second goal where, you know, Stevens and Osborne just left William and Rhys James um, looking stupid, um, you know, to create a goal. Um, Baldock got booked inside five minutes for clattering Pulisic, but that didn't stop him, you know, uh, pressing on, you know, and he, he created a goal later on. You know, so it was kind of tactically, I thought Frank was really naive. He he did change it at half-time, fair play to him. Um, was bolted you know, by then, Marco, though, don't you think? Well, yeah, it was 2-0 down. You know, he, what he should have done was realise, you know, after 20 minutes when Sheffield United took the lead and, you know, I mean, the possession stats at the end of the game still ended up 77% in Chelsea's favour, you know, and, and that's a separate discussion that keeps recurring about, you know, the failure to take chances. But the truth was, clear-cut chances, we didn't really create that many. Um, and that's because, uh, you know, they Sheffield were really well set up. Um, you know, and it's just, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, we're 35 games into a 38-game season. Uh, tactically, that was inept. Um, from, from a lineup point of view, still doesn't know the right uh, centre-back pairing. I think, I think we've had seven different centre-back pairings during the course of the season. Um, you know, the defence, Kepper keeps getting pelters and yet maybe he's not the best suited for this job. He doesn't but, get much protection, mate. Well, exactly that. You know, I mean, I think I think it was their first goal, goal wasn't it, when he kind of clawed the ball out um, and had no chance with... with good the, save. First one was a good save, Marco, wasn't yeah, it? exactly. You know, and... I do understand the concerns regarding Kepper and, you know, set pieces and corners, which, uh, you know, it's like a coaching thing. But the whole, if you get the drains up on the, the whole performance and consider the fact where we are in the season, there were a lot of basic issues where Chelsea came up short. And the curious thing is, you know, I mean, this is like the Chelsea of... Of the of the 80s when um you know I remember in 94 when we beat United home and away in the league and, and unfortunately they went on to win the double and they beat us at Wembley but you know I think after we beat United we lost our home to Charlton or you know it was kind of that kind of stuff where um it seems to be in Chelsea's DNA at times to pull off magnificent results where take Manchester City a few weeks ago for example or, you know, Frank being the first manager to um, do the double over Mourinho in, in, in a league season. 
So, you know, there is there is the ability there to craft a victory um, and be tactically astute, but, but it's just not consistent enough. And I think, you know, the, the undoing of Chelsea this season, um, if, if there is one, because, you know, I guess we would probably say if we do finish top four, it's been a good season, all things considered, but maybe it could have been a better one. Oh, I don't know. What, what, what's the outlook for well, you? I want to touch on that very much in part two. And you make, you make as ever, Marco, some, some pretty salient <laughs> points there. But I go back, Jonathan, again. You know, I, I, I think, you know, you're right. I think Frank's the manager. I think he, he has to shoulder the blame if, if the team's set up wrong and you've, you've picked the wrong people. Um, absolutely. But I go back to it again. You can set up the team. You can be, you know, bloody, you know, Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Matt Busby, Bob Paisley. I don't care. Brian Clough. doesn't matter who you are. You can set the team up perfectly well. And if you've got a stupid-ass bunch of players, you keep making ridiculously stupid errors and you end up two goals down before you've had a time to do anything about it, you're not going to win too many matches, JK. And I think Marco's... Makes, I mean, I, 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 one of the great things, by the way, quick tangent about us not being at the game, and there is not much to be said for that, let's be honest. It's pretty crap not being at the game. One of the nice things is that you can relax in front of the TV and you can be you know, on your Twitter watching what your mates are saying. And I, I saw Marco's comments on it with, with great interest. But the reality is, is that there's a reason why Frank doesn't know what his best centre-back pairing is, because they've all been shit this season. And he and he puts them in when they put a good performance, and he keeps them there, and then they let him down. So the the central defence, the defenders, the defenders in that team have let him down week in week out. And I no wonder he doesn't know what his best pairing is. I would say. I think the difficulty he's got with Christensen is that when the team is on top and they're playing the really fluent football as as they played against Man City. For it, I, I'm I'm always intrigued. I'm intrigued by the fact that the Man City performance was exceptional. There were hardly any errors. There was hardly any giving the ball away. They were absolutely up for it. And uh, whether it's underestimating the opposition, I don't I don't know. Whereas, and Christensen was at his immaculate passing best in that game. He really does pick players out. Well, you and I can pass perfectly when there's nobody up our arms. Well, indeed, indeed. But nonetheless, that's the impression I get that Frank picks him. However, each time um, we see any goals played back to us repeatedly on 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 the box, which is an advantage, of course, of looking at having watching telly, is we see um, <laughs> that he's that he's uh, he's out of position all the sudding time. No. So you then go, you know, it's the worst possible thing, isn't it, for fans watching telly? Because when we're at the game, we, we don't know that. We think, well, oh, by, the what time, by the time I've got home, Jonathan, I, I barely remember I've actually been at a football match. So, indeed, well, indeed, indeed. But we're all going. But, and I even play it back again. You know, after I play it back and go... In, in, in real time, I bet you I bet you do this. You're sitting at home watching this on the TV and you, you get so incandescent with rage, you actually wind it back whilst I the do. game's going on. Now, I here's do. the question, because I'll let you into secrets, so do I. Now, here's the question. What do you do? Do you, do you then just play it in normal time from no. then on or do you just stop and miss out the next two minutes? No, no, I don't miss out anything. I, I, you fast I'm, forward I'm, it. I'm, I must no, no, no. I'm astute at what at every moment that the ball, say the ball goes out for a throw, and I think that'll be. I'll get ten seconds back there, so I get ten seconds. Say there's an injury, or I'll just I go forward. It. I'll go I forward. I'll go it. forward. The drinks break. The drinks break. Boom! I'm straight through it. 
I'm straight through the drink spray. Yeah, so, I, uh, I just knew you would, man. I knew, <laughs> I knew you would. Oh, dearie, If I'm slightly behind, I always know I've got half time coming, and I think, well, I can make it up half time. <laughs> so I've got 50, 50, 10 minutes, 15. But no, I... I, I I mean, think think of the idiocy of the of the second goal, which McBurney, who I think is like a a kind of flailing third division player, who's been made McBurney. to look McBurney, 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 <laughs> went on about on telly. Um, um, the um, his uh, it, it, great header, great header. I mean, completely uncontested. That's why he could do that. So you've got three errors happening. Eight you've got as as Marco said, you've got Reese James. Just not really running. Oh, William properly. left the man. No, wait, 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 no. But William, then we, they got in each other's way practically. William just gives up, and you go, "Hang on, but what the fuck? You've not given up in so many games. Why have you given Why up? Why now? Why now? Why now? Why now? Why have you done it? But then once again, we go back again to, and then when Christensen's looking, well, where's Christensen? Christensen's look. Christensen is letting Zuma deal with. McCut with not McGoldrick, he's got the other two with McBurney. He's letting him deal with it. So he then has a little look and then misses the ball completely and it goes over and it's an uncontested header, you know, unchallenged header. You just think that was completely shit, wasn't it? But you think, why? Why did William, who has been fantastic at tracking back and picking the ball up and doing everything, why didn't he bother? Why was Reese James slow with it? And I think we've established that Christensen is just away with the fairies. Therefore, why is he Hans picking Hans Christensen it? Anderson, mate. Yes. He's living that, in his own that's fucking his country, fairy tale. Isn't it? That's his country. <laughs> so he's good at that. But I, so, you know, that you can, you think, all right, but I think one of the reasons why they were all, they were so crap is because they could see early on that they didn't know what to do. They had no out. There was no way they could play their proper football. They'd been playing against everybody. You remember against Palace, they had, 40 minutes of Palace not having a shot. We're going to get to that. They're all over them and they play wonderfully, but it's a plan. And you've then got to find another plan. As I'll go back to talking about Mourinho. If there's no space there, don't piss about with it. Kick it up the pitch. It's an old trick, but Jesus, it gives you the opportunity to then push up and make them offside or just change it a bit. And, and it's, it's, I was annoyed by Frank saying in his interview there, I've understood a few things. No fucking hell. We understand. If you say that, it's taken yeah, you. Look, talking to somebody he, at the line. He, even at the same time. even though, even though I, I've played his post-match interview, you and I particularly, JK, you know, we worked in media for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, not going to say, he's yeah. not going to be honest. It's not his job to do that after the presser. I tell you what, I, I hope... And I think, you know, Frank Frank's a very smart bloke. He, I think he will eventually be a very good manager. He's still learning the job. He's a bit of a neophyte in management terms at the moment. But he cares about this club like we care about it. And even though he was quite measured in what he said and he wasn't giving too much away, you could see he was absolutely seizing. Seizing. And seizing. I hope, I hope that he has given that entire team a kick in the bollocks that they will never forget. Marco, have you got anything to add on on, on really Frank and the defence and the errors and all of that kind of malarkey before I move? Part two, I really want to... I, I have a... I think, that you know, I want to talk about their questionable leadership and mentality and all of that. So if we could refrain no, from mean, talking about that yet, but anything else? I just think, you know, as I said earlier, 35 games into a 38-game season, having conversations about tactics um, and, you know, the motivation of players in general and whether they're up to the job. Um, 
compared to a team like Sheffield United who are working on limited resources, um, is ludicrous, really. And, you know, the, the slightly worrying thing is that this summer um, or next season, there won't be the lack of a transfer window to kind of use as a convenient sort of excuse to say, well, he didn't have the players, um, he's still learning. But all of that said, we're still third in the league. So so is it that bad? Are, are we just expecting well, too much? It's very revisited, isn't it? For all that we said, we ended up third, didn't we, last yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I love Frank to bits and at the start of the season, I, I would have taken... Third or fourth all day long. We, 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 um, we'll get onto that very much, I think, in part two, because that, that I think is the kind of perspective we really need to be looking at. I mean, you know, bottom line is, I, I'll stand by it. You know, yeah, of course, of course, he has to take some of the blame. Um, he is the manager after all, but he, he's not on the pitch kicking the ball. Although sometimes I wish he bloody was still. Um, players will make mistakes, and this team has 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 got players who are very error prone it has to be said perhaps not good enough and the other thing of course is don't underestimate the fact that that we are down a few players at the moment um Kante is a huge miss for us defensively and I think lots of our dear McMixler chums on here who, who I tell you what they know their onions are mixed a lot they've been screaming at me from there saying mate it's not just individual errors it we don't defend well as a team and I think if you remember go back to Mourinho's great defensive sides uh or, or you know the way that way they would defend tactically it started at the front and you know i think i think defense is a is a is a you know culpability for defending or bad defending rests on the team as well as just the defenders as well so there you go uh now uh quick plug a rooney it would be very remiss of me not to plug uh cfc uk with a certain mr worrell in the house because he is uh, very much fundamental to its operation. Now, there's a bit of a hiatus. Um, I don't know, actually, Marco. Do you know when the next one's due out? I think I think it's going to be... Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. If there might be an FA Cup final special if we get there. Otherwise, I think it's going to be um, getting ready for the 12th of September, isn't it? The glorious 12th. The glorious 12th. All right. Well, um, nevertheless, um, there is, I don't know. I mean, again, Marco might know the answer to this one. I mean, I've been plugging this on the show for the last few weeks, but uh, CFC UK has got this very special uh, full colour picture only version, um, which is quite unique, although Mark might tell me different, uh, which has been set up basically uh, to help raise money for Help for Heroes, Leukemia UK, Help Them, Help Us and Stole. Uh, the aim being to raise 500 quid for those charities, which is why it costs £6 a copy, uh, including postage in the UK. Um, now, I don't know how... I mean, I, is, are there any left, Marco? Are they all sold out? Well, I think there's a few, literally a handful left. Um, if people are interested, they need to email uh, cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. Mm. And um, I think they're, they're, they're seven quid, including postage in the UK. Right. And you can pay by PayPal to that same email. Pay by address, PayPal, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Get on it, people. Uh, it's not often you can read a copy of CFC UK without having to read my drivel. So there's a, there's a, there's a good point for starters. Sadly, you won't get to read Marco's perfect prose, which is a, a downside, but there you go. 
Right, um, after this very short break, we're going to come back and I want to talk um, very much about the issue of, of the mentality of the team. I, I've got I've got a real issue and have been beating this drum all season and seasons before that there's no real leadership in the team. And I think Frank voiced that concern by saying how quiet they were. Uh, the, the inference in his post-match presser was that uh, a few players have... Uh, effectively sign their footballing death warrants at Chelsea with that performance and that Frank might be looking to move a few on. So we're going to have a think about who that might be. And uh, because the Chelsea fan cast is famous for many things, but one one of the things I think that we, we'd like to be famous for is our positivity in face of uh, the horrible truths with which we have to confront ourselves at football. So I will try and end on a, a positive note with a bit of perspective on all of this. So there you go. We'll come, come, do come back. We'll see you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge, and of course I'm joined as ever by uh, the... Uh, I, I quite, like, quite like the beard and goatee and moustache thing going on at the moment, JK. It's, it's, it's Wild Bill Hickok. It's the Wild, wild, wild Bill Hiccup. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All I need is a, a six gun. Yeah, and I'm going to do my terrible American accent, according to uh, the young lady. You gonna, you, can you do? Week. Can you do that with irony, irony in the environment? Uh, irony and warrior. <laughs> what about your uh, environment? Environment. That's right. Yeah. We got a real, real shellacking from Julie, didn't we, Julie Carlson? Yeah. Mind you, she yeah. did have the magnanimity to say that her English accent's just as bad as our American accents. I'd like to hear it. Perhaps yeah, she could send she's you lovely, a, Judy. a voice sample. She's lovely. She's lovely. But I thought they were much better. Now, uh, the sensible person on the show tonight, uh, not not hard, really. There's only three of us with the two idiots like me and Jonathan. We do have Mark Worrell on the show, who is, apart from a fantastically fine gentleman, a neighbour of mine in Gate 17 and the the absolute entrepreneur and legend behind Gate 17 books. And I mean, I, I, I can't... There's no point me even beginning to mention the books you've written because you've written so many. We'd be here, here for four hours, Marco. We've well, got a new one on the way, though, haven't you? Yeah, um, it's a giant roller coaster of a beast as well, with uh, an unknown ending as yet. So uh, yeah, it's the story of this season, um, entitled "When Skies Are Grey." Super Frank, Chelsea, and the coronavirus crisis. There we go. So nice short title, nice snappy title, yeah. Mark. <laughs> well, it kind of delves into the whole um, simpatico manager uh, thing that we like at Chelsea. So, sort of the first bit is why and how we ended up with Frank, and why it's such a good thing, and then it gets into the nitty gritty of. Um, the transfer window with all the ITK fails on the transfer. That's more than entertaining looking at some of those uh, as I'm editing it at yeah, the moment. You love a bit uh, of that, don't you? The players that never signed for Chelsea. Um, yeah, so hopefully people enjoy it. It's people who bought the, um, the, the Conte, the books about the Conte season, 
it's kind of a similar layout to that. So yeah. Book me yeah. in for a copy, mate. No pun intended. Well, indeed, sir. All right. Okay. Um, so much to talk about uh, about this defeat. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to that that press, the post match press that Frank said, and I think one of the things that really stuck with me. There were several things, but one of them was he, he was saying about how quiet the team were on the pitch. Now, that might not sound too much bother for most people who like who cares what well, I I think it's. It's massive. I mean, if if you've ever played football at any level, which you know we all have, all three of us have played at varying levels of football. It doesn't matter how shit you are, what league you're playing in, you you know you need you you, you don't go around the pitch saying nothing. People are shouting all the time. Preferably, you've got one or two leaders in the team who are who are organising and instructing or what have you. But I I think the sign of a you know a, a, hearing a quiet team is a sign of 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 not very good things, I have to say, but particularly leadership. Um, and I know I've been beating the drum in the last few weeks, saying if Chelsea buy one effing player this summer, it has got to be not just a central defender who's half decent. I would rather they got one who's experienced, who's played a lot of games, preferably internationally, has got an old head as well, but is a leader because we are crying out for it. Do you remember the days... We had Petr Cech, Ashley Cole. Might, Ashley Cole might have been fairly quiet, but he was a leader in his own way. JT, Michael Ballot, Michael Essien, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba. Half the team were leaders and vocal with it. We don't have a sausage at the moment, do we, JK? I keep trying to think of, uh, with, the, with the sound off, I keep thinking, who can we hear on the pitch? Nobody. All I, all I can hear is a lot of people going, ow! Ow! A lot. We get that a lot, don't we? When there's a a foul. Um, but no, I, I, I I'm not. I'm not getting it. I'm not hearing. I'm. I'm intrigued to see what, once again the 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 bizarre chalk and cheese performances of um, of City down to this is that is that who was loudest in the City game? Did we have somebody? I mean, early on in the season when Rudiger was injured, we kept saying he'll be the man to come in. He's a leader. He's much. He's he's. Um, He's got a big personality. He'll do it, and he's he's come in and not provided this at all. In fact, he's come in and and played. How can I put it? Um, shit, uh, dreadfully. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I don't. And you're not getting it from the goalkeeper. Uh, I, I think that, as we've said, I think the goalkeeper is getting a lot of flack because of the defensive problems. But also, I think if he was a bigger personality, uh, we wouldn't be having this problem as well. Uh, I, um, Dave obviously does a little bit of of shouting but you don't get you don't get that it's it's um it's he's not telling people off i don't get i don't get the fact that i mean i don't i never i i think if people tell each other off in 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 matches it's like having roy Keane in your side it's actually not a terribly bad thing no, i want i want because, them coming to blows jonathan exactly, well they indeed yes yes and they're both both being hands sent on off, throats like, both being sent off like like batty and lasso um, yeah. Um, played played for England. Was it Batty Lasso? Yeah. Batty and yeah. That yeah, when was, he played yeah. for Blackburn. Blackburn. That's right. When he and played for Blackburn. And there's the other one, yeah. Kieran yeah. Dyer and Craig Bellamy. They had a right proper ding. I, do you yeah. know why I remember all these? Because the number of football kind of list show things I've made in my time. You know, you'd always pick on things like that. The best kind of on-field teammate scraps yeah. of yeah. all time. And Bellamy and Kieran Dyer was a classic. But there've been quite a few, haven't there? It means there's passion. At least passion. Yeah, passion. passion. 
notion. Well, I think it's relevant, isn't it? At the moment, I'd like to be some passion instead of kind of um, limp-wristed um, uh, acquiescence, limp-wristed giving in. I'm going to get a T-shirt printed. I'm a, I'm a passionate alcoholic, you passionate, know. Yeah, <laughs> rather than what I wanted to say limp-wristed surrender monkey, but I'm not sure you can say that. <laughs> Did I tell you I got told off by uh, Ofcom, or fuck Ofcom as I used to call them, um, for using uh, cheese eating surrender monkey in a <laughs> program I made, and I'm sure I've told this story before, but why not? Where I got it I'm, from. I'm going to be self indulgent. Uh, it was a football show, a bit like uh, fancy football and and all of that kind of stuff, and uh, I had to do an on air apology, which I refused to do. So what we we used to have on this set, we had the two two blokes in lazy boy chairs. That was the set. And a little coffee table, and throughout the series, we'd had this monkey, little kind, you know, this kind of little monkeys that you know bang, bang. Yeah, some. yeah, yeah. We had yeah. one of those, so he's about kind of I don't know, about foot tall, and uh, we put an Arsenal shirt on him, and we used to call it Martin Keown, obviously. So what we did, we had, um, I opened up the program the next day with a big close up on on Mar the Martin Keown monkey, and and I, we put a little French flag in one of his hands, and a big lump of brie between his legs and then we pulled out very slowly to reveal the two chaps Dave Vitti and Jeff Norcott and Jeff just looked down the barrel of the camera and said we're not allowed to say it but you know what we're thinking <laughs> I just thought that was priceless anyway we, what, what were we talking about oh I know football yes yeah, being we quiet they're not being a leader on no, the pitch not enough yeah, leaders yeah. mate and I was saying that you need a bit of passion but at the same time you don't well do you need a bit of passion if you've got somebody well, if the team is of one mind, it's almost the passion is almost there. You know, I just feel that it seems to be so easy for them all to just become unconnected. And you just think that there's nobody there's nobody saying, come on. You know, we used to when I played Sunday football, if we were one nil down, somebody would go, come on, come on, guys, we can do this. We, if they, we felt we we're on top of them. There'd be somebody to to actually get them to do something, whereas it just became just a, a kind of weedy response which went nowhere so i mean you know leadership uh, comes in all sorts of forms doesn't it mark i mean i i know it, it, it's a it's a subject you're quite interested in as am i uh and I, i'm not naive enough to suggest that you know leadership is just going around barking at people there are all sorts of types of, i mean for example i actually think eden hazard was a great leader for chelsea but he did it by example when the sh when the shit hit the fan when the chips were down he would you know, drag Chelsea screaming and kicking through games quite a lot. So you don't have to be, you know, like a John Terry type leader. But there is, we are, I just get the impression that this particular team is bereft of leaders. And the other thing is, I wonder if, you know, I've heard this being said that this is quite common in the game as a whole these days. We just don't seem to have the leaders that, I mean, you know, I quoted all those leaders we had in the team under Mourinho's time. The game seems to have lost a lot of its leaders, Marco. Yeah, I mean, you say that, but... Um, I do, I just did. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, if, if you kind of look at it objectively from a Chelsea perspective, it, it's a conversation that, that we've been having intermittently since JT left. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, every, every time there's a bad performance... And you know what we lost eleven we lost eleven league games this season, something like that. So pretty much on every every occasion, uh, because unfortunately 
I think 80% of those defeats have been to teams that at the time we played them were struck battling against relegation. Um, you know, you're kind of thinking, what on earth's going on here? You know, where, where is that leadership? What is Dave doing? I mean, Dave's, Dave's proven himself to be a fantastic club captain and ambassador for the club. Um, you know, during the coronavirus crisis with all the good things Chelsea were doing. Um, fantastic. But, you know, I think it's often been said that on the pitch, you know, when the shit hits the fan, he's not getting hold of people and saying, come on, we're Chelsea. This doesn't happen to us. Um, I think I think it was Ross Barkley said the other day when... Uh, um, when Frank had a go at the players at half time, and, and Frank had said, you know, this doesn't happen at our club. You know, we're, we're Chelsea, you've got to play for the shirt, or words to that effect, because Frank knows. Um, it, it's kind of, I find it strange in a way that the, this conversation keeps happening and that nothing's been done about it. Um, <laughs> Marco, don't you think that's, that's similar with the season? It's just we keep having conversations about certain things like the centres, like the defence not being very good and nothing is done about it. That's much you know, all, all, all these, all the players that, you know, I mean, I know there's talk about Declan Rice and he, he could be, you know, the, the leader that Chelsea are looking for. Um, but... You know, by and large, the, the, there isn't talk about, you know, it was kind of Timo Werner, Ziyech, um, Kai Havertz now. You know, the, there isn't the talk of, right, we've got to go out and buy a captain leader legend because there isn't one in Chelsea's ranks. Now, I will say this. I, I did think at the start of the season um, that, that Tamori had, had it in him to potentially be that man. Um, and I had thought in the past when I'd seen him play, although, you know, he's probably too young, that Ampadu had had the those credentials. He read the game well. You could see, you know, sort of watching as we do in Gate 17, movement off the ball that you don't see on the television. Um, even, you know, to a certain extent, although he's, he's, he's too young again, you know, Billy Gilmore seems to have that capability of reading the game and you watch the kid um, and you're sort of thinking, yeah, that's that's what we need. And then I know, um, you know, there, there was a there was a, a very a fleeting moment during the season when people were suggesting that Jorginho should be the Chelsea skipper. He likes pointing yeah. a lot, doesn't he? Pardon? He likes well, pointing yeah. a lot. Yeah. Maybe so... he should be one of the, you know, those... Uh, I mean, it, it, I don't know why, but this is a, a memory I always have from the Italian job, right? The proper version of it with Michael Caine. Yeah. But that scene when they're driving around Turin in the minis and you've got one of those Italian traffic policemen in the middle of a very busy kind of piazza, that's what Jorginho reminds me of when he plays. Well, with white gloves on. He should have white gloves. He shouldn't should, he? shouldn't he? I'd like that. And, I and mean, a couple of Mickey Mouse ears. I don't know if you remember in the game against Sheffield United, there was one passage of play where, which sort of went through Jorginho twice, where we played the ball out from the back up the right flank, played it all the way back down, 
across and then up the left flank and then eventually I think there were 28 passes before the ball crossed the halfway line you know against Sheffield United you know things like that add up to the 77% possession that Chelsea had but it's kind of like you know pointless isn't it if you've got a leader on there saying you know you know stop fucking about the goals up there. Do you think that this is where Frank should Good come point. in? I remember Good that point. you know Mourinho used to come to the sidelines and and gesticulate and shout uh, at players a lot more than Frank does. And players would come over and ask him what he wanted. So well, there was a kind and, of dialogue and, going on, which I'm not seeing at all with Frank. And, I mean, you say you say that, but I mean the, the obvious master of that that we've seen more recently was uh, Antonio Conte, who was you know, kicking every ball um, yeah. in the technical area. Yeah. You know, he, he was fully hands-on um, when it when it came to, you know, he, he kind of was the captain leader legend in the technical Himself. area. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know it all went horribly wrong, but, you know, he was the, the 12th man and he was, he was getting instructions to his players um, and, and, you know, making wake up. Well, and do stuff. Marco, wasn't that a world of fear with him? And the more that you hear about Conte, that or players say, you didn't ever answer him back. You didn't You didn't have anything. Conte wouldn't let you. Conte was a really a tyrant as a manager. And uh, uh, and in a sense, if it if it, this is what I've, I've been, been, been led to believe. And, and consequently, um, whether that meant that the players were more keen to do what he wanted, and then but then in the second season were more rebellious possibly but it meant that that they they were they were there was a regime going on there that was very rigid and you wonder whether frank is possibly at the moment too too nice to them but i i'm i'm bemused because i mean i always keep we always keep saying frank is learning frank played for really great managers i don't i don't think frank's too nice mate i think he might give that appearance he's an impression i suppose i I mean you know frank is is an incredibly determined individual he's a winner yeah, yeah. and I, I mean he i think i think the other i mean this is fast we could do a whole maybe we will in the recess i'll do an entire show on on leadership because it's a fascinating issue um uh, you know frank is an intelligent guy you know i know he's got a bit of passion we know that he wants to win but you know he's not he's not a throwing a teacup uh round people's heads type of manager and in fact i i think most of those kind of the kind of managers you you me and Marco grew up with and and quite quite enjoyed in a funny sort of way they've kind of gone out in the game because it just doesn't work on this generation and i think conte is a really good case in point because you know you can this this applies not just to football managers but you can only rule by fear for so long you know ultimately somewhere along the line somebody's going to stand up to you and then it's like the emperor's clothes your your entire premise is completely destroyed and then you've had it there's only one way you're going to go and that's what happened with conte and I think that's what keeps happening with Mourinho. You know, you've got to be far more savvy now as a leader of, of men, as a football manager now. You know, and I, th- I, I think that Frank, although I don't know, I know as much as you two do, but I suspect he probably gets the balance right, given that he's had a great amount of experience from learning from some of the best managers in the game. And I include the likes of Carlo Ancelotti in that, who, of course, Frank adored, as did all of the Chelsea players. You know, and Gus Hudink is another one, a great manager. Mourinho, you know, Mourinho at the time that was was un, 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 you know, I mean, he was just unsurpassed at that time. So I'm sure a lot of that would have rubbed off on Frank. But 
I don't think in this day and age, I mean, you know, I'm quite a shouty, dictatorial sort of bloke. I'd last five minutes in the modern football game now because they just, they shut you out. They don't want to hear it. You've got to be much cleverer than that, I think. Marco, do you think that's a good point? Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, I, you know, Frank's played for Chelsea. He's the top scorer at the club. Clearly he takes every defeat personally. He's very articulate, so he can get his point across. Um I think everybody fully understands what the motivation is there in terms of doing well. Um, so, I don't know, it's like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle um, are still all kind of, you know, mi mixed up at the moment. Um, it's kind of like Frank knows what needs to be done, but he's either not got the, he can't see all the pieces to, to make the puzzle work, or... Um, you know, he, he, somebody's nicked a few of the pieces and they need to get some put, put back in there. Um, but again, you know, I know we sort of sounding like a stuck record. It's kind of, is it that bad? Are, are we expecting too much? Um, you know, because of where we are in the table right now. I think, I think um, that's, that's, sorry, Marco, go on, go on, mate, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, and, you know, if we, if we beat Norwich tomorrow, you know, obviously Leicester have to play Man United in the last game yeah, yeah. of the season. Absolutely. Even, That's... Even, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I do wonder sometimes if God is a Chelsea. Well, I, we all know that's true, but I mean, the the the, the real point, and I think you 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 segue into that very nicely, actually. And by the way, I do I do want to before we shut down this part, talk about who might be on Frank's hit list and see if he has got a ruthless side. But actually, I, I think this perspective is very, very important. I, I was, well, was I surprised? I, I, nothing really surprises me these days, but the the, the opprobrium and the wrath that, meted, uh, that greeted Chelsea's loss to Sheffield United was just unbelievable. And the, I mean, you know, look, Frank doesn't get a pass from me because he's Frank Lampard per se. You know, he's, he's you know, one, one should always criticise if one feels justified in doing so. But, I think the perspective really is, is that, you know, we know that nobody else really would have taken on the job last season. We know that Frank bleeds blue and he's, and, and, and there's a connection between him and us that, that very few other people would get. We know that we lost Eden Hazard. We know that he had to play most of the youth. We know that half the, well, most, the, most of the squad is a, is a mismatch hodgepodge of players that we've assembled badly over the last few years. We know that some of them aren't good enough. I, I I must go back to the early fan cast of this season because I if I, I I know that I said I didn't expect us to be much more than mid table this season. I really didn't think that we would. And as Marco says, we're sitting in third place. Okay, you know, by the end of tonight we might not be, but we're still in there. We've got three games to go and get a result out of, and we could qualify for the Champions League. And I certainly, for one, didn't expect that. Not to mention the fact that we've brought in a lot of very good young players who've got a year under their belt. And, of course, as I said, Frank couldn't get any transfers in. So, you know, it's amazing to me, JK, and, of course, this is the nature of football. This is why we love it. But it amazes me how, how short our memories are and how quick we are to, you know, go from, well, we don't expect too much this season because we know about all these situations I've just laid out, to we can't possibly not finish in the top four because that would be a disaster. I mean, surely the truth lies somewhere in between. Well, I, I think the major problem we've, we've got with the season is that 
we we put all these caveats and uh, and our expectations were less and yeah we'll give them a chance and then they played wonderfully well but we knew and, that they would be inconsistent yeah but that but, would but, not last forever nonetheless probably. it was the level of of competence that made us then be more in a position where we thought well i can criticize now why can't they play the way that they played early on in the season why can't they be so fluent you know what is this we're having the same discussion well, about I, I, I the mentality can answer that. Of the leader. I think you know. I think I can answer that because we know that young players are, are legendarily inconsistent because that's what young players are like and that they are prone to massive dips in form. Then we've had injuries. Losing Kanto for a lot of the season is a big, big blow, I'm afraid. He is such a good player. And then, you know, we know that a lot of the players are just not really Chelsea standard anyway. So, in a sense, it was kind of inevitable that there would be dips in form throughout the season. But it's it's difficult, though, isn't it, Chidge, to make that assessment when they, they blow Man City away and play wonderfully. Totally right, yeah. You, how, you know, you then go, that's the level we can achieve. Great. And then they play against lower sides with um, rather elementary setups, and he can't get through them. And you then immediately think, Okay, how 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 much time do we give him for this? The fact that we lose to Bournemouth, six points to Bournemouth. The fact that we lose to to uh, um, to, to United twice, Sheffield United twice. You, the fact you then think we're not we're not playing. We drew, again. We drew the first match against Sheffield United. Oh, sorry, he did. That's right. We drew it one-one, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but um, we were two 0 uh, up when we drew two. Two oh, two. Uh, I almost got it right. You know, my, you my you were mind. probably finishing off your roast beef and Yorkshire pudding or your venison I, pie at the time. No, I, yeah, I was probably downstairs asleep, <laughs> wait, waiting for my manservant to whisper in my ear um, to tell me what the score was. They drew. They drew two two, sir. Did they? Oh, very good. Thank you. I'd like um, me to remember that actually. To be fair, but um, uh, no. So I, I, I think it's human nature, isn't it? If they perform wonderfully well, it's very tricky to then go back to saying oh, well, we can understand them because they're kids, because they're inconsistent. You know, think you actually think, no, hang on, they're not all kids. There's a lot, a lot of experience in there. Why can't he get them playing well against well, these teams? But what I'm saying, because the experience week. is not necessarily good enough and the kids are going to be inconsistent. No, indeed, indeed. But you hope that Chelsea will have, some of them will have been, I don't know, this, he'll have improved them. There is always that But I think, that I think, he, I think he has, in, I think, you know... Rudiger's nearly, got worse. Rudiger's got yeah, but worse. But I think Rudiger, maybe Rudiger just wasn't that good to start with. You know, well, look... And he was. He did that thing of being good when he was injured because we all thought, we all remembered a well, kind that, of... Well, that is a case in point. World. But you can't, you can't turn around and say that a lot of the youngsters that he's had playing with him have... have improved as footballers this year even allowing for their you know dips in form occasionally which is to be expected well, i mean some look, of them have some it, of them have it, just it, gone off the boil completely tammy abraham being a case yeah. in point but we yeah. we can't all remember how unprecedented it, it is to have effectively three months off in the middle of a season we don't quite know how that's affected a lot of the players and it will affect true, different players true, in true, different true, ways then, then but then in a sense um they shouldn't have started off so well because that once again. Well, we okay. I'll make sure. I'll, I'll, have, I'll phone up Frank tomorrow. So make sure you lose the first ten games of the season to be utterly shit. See, that's where Conte no, had no, it absolutely even, right. Even in coming in, even in coming in, yeah. um, after the three months off, we played really well at the beginning, and we've yeah. just slowly yeah. tapered off. It's just slowly got worse and but worse. I, I think. I think you know. Look, two things. Number one is it's classic. Marco said this earlier. It's classically Chelsea to turn up. When, when we're not the top dog, when we're not, you know, the champions like we were all the time under Mourinho, et cetera, et cetera, 
You know, it's classically Chelsea to, to beat all the best teams, really turn up against the best teams, then lose to the shit teams. We've always what's done that it. About? Yeah, but where, where does that it's come from? It's Chelsea thing, Jonathan. Comes from the air? Yeah, but is that from it, the air? Is I, that from, no, I don't know why. I don't know you put why. on a blue shirt, you immediately become inconsistent. I, I really that, don't know what why. About? Because this is the... I think when, when, when we, you know, when we're sitting in our you know, care home for Chelsea veterans in about 20 years' time, and we're still doing the fan cast on a Monday night because we've got nothing better to do. <laughs> we, we will look back on that period between 2005 and quite possibly 2012 as the, you know, the blip on, on, on the Chelsea pudding in a way. That, that was the only time in our lives where, you know, I mean, one of the things we used to joke about when, 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 when a Jose Mourinho side, Chelsea side, went 2-0 up, you could go to sleep because nothing else would happen, but we would win, certainly. Now, we were saying this on the show last night, even if we're 3-0 up, we're still worried about the other team getting a result. You know, it's kind of, we've reverted back to the norm, that the Mourinho era and all of that was, was the outlier. Maybe, Marco, I don't know, what do you think? Um, mm. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> I don't know. Is the answer? I mean, think about Klopp, right? You know, how long did it take Klopp, or has it taken Klopp? Well, they say to get... five years. Yeah. Don't... Because that you see what I'm what I'm the point I'm making, Marco, is that Liverpool in the first year or two of Klopp were had a pattern, you know, in terms of results, have been very similar to Chelsea have this year. You know, competed in the top matches against some of the top sides and done pretty well, but have been prone to some horrendous banana skins against other teams. Yeah. Um it does seem to be a, a Chelsea thing, though, this banana skin against bad teams. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the lack of leadership is a concern. But, you know, the, there are basic errors that Chelsea keep repeating. Um, you know, be that not defending corners, not... not not beating the first man from there's there's a whole stack of coaching issues um that you know a, a fundamental basics when it comes to playing the game that managers like Chris Wilder that managers like Sean Dyche get right with the players at their disposal so it's not rocket science um you know the reason Klopp has got to where he's got to is that Liverpool have spent a bundle of cash um, to get the right players in the right combination. You know, they, they, they brought Trent through um, as a young player who, who's, you know, really set the, 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 that side of the team alight just in terms of what he can do for the team from a set-piece perspective, as well as being a, a really good defender. So, you know, he's kind of melded it and he's taken five years to do it. And, you know, they've won the league on the back of it uh, and they won the Champions League last season. Um, so it, it's achievable, but I do think it kind of, I don't know, it, it it needs to be, there doesn't seem to be that kind of 
clearly thought out structure emerging um, in respect of, you know, Chelsea at the moment. But, you know, ne next season's like the difficult, it's the difficult second album, isn't it? You know, it's that, that second season where um, he's got carte blanche, you know, within reason, Marina's going to go and buy in the players that he wants. You know, we've got the striker now to get the goals because of all the, the chances that get created. Um, more chances are going to be created by Ziek. You know, uh, is it going to be, is next be a case of winning games 5-3 because we still can't defend but we've well, got the, one of the best attacks in the league. They, they've got to address that Marco. They've got well exactly to so you know I, I don't know there needs to be a leader there needs to be a settled centre-back pairing you know. We need, a, we need a George uh, George we need a Graham Roberts or a Joey Jones type figure. The reason, the reason Liverpool have won the league this season is because you know, they've got a very good squad. But if you look at their back line, Alisson in goal, Trent and Robbo either side of Van Dijk. And, you know, there's been like perm, perm the odd one to partner him. But it's been it's been pretty much that game in, game out, um, week after week. And, you know, you only have to look at the number of goals that they, they concede. I know they got Wallet the other day, but... Um, Pretty much the reason is they've got stability at the back. They've got stability in um, in central midfield. And, you know, they've got a good attack. But you build from the back. And Absolutely. That's what that's what they've got, you know. And, and I posted the other day, you know, a picture of Ricky Cavallio and JT. Yeah, wonderful. You know, and, Frank, and Frank played with those guys. Yeah. Um, so he knows. He knows the value of... A solid central defensive pairing. Um, you know, I, th I think Reese James is a good player. He's promising. He needs to learn to defend. Um, but, you know, he could cross the ball. He's physical. I think he, you know, he, he's, he's potentially a good fit for that right right back position. The left side, you know, the, the, there's the continual talk about Chilwell and Tagliafico or, you know, Tellez. So it's something that needs to be addressed for sure. So I don't know. Would you keep any of those centre backs? Well, it's a good question, Marco. Actually, I mean, who? I mean, everybody's made a big thing about the presser saying, you know, he's he's not going to forget. So there's a lot of players who've really kind of signed their death warrant at Chelsea. Who do you think's on his hit list? Who do you think he'll want to get rid of? I, I think I think Christensen for all his ball playing ability is flimsy. You know, I know he sort of turned his ankle and you shouldn't mock that, but he spends a lot of time on the deck. Um, you sort of wonder about his constitution. Um, he doesn't last a full season. Uh, I just, you know, if Barcelona are prepared to pay 40 million for him, um, I'd, I'd take that tomorrow. Uh Rudiger, I don't know what's gone wrong there because, um, you know, he, he he has moments where he shows uh, leadership and, you know, he's very quick and he's physical. Um, but, you know, that, that, that goal, that third Sheffield United goal was 
horrific. Embarrassing. Um, and he wasn't much better, you know, during the rest of the game. Um, I think Zuma, I'm a big fan of. I, I would I would retain Zuma, but he seems to be the one that people are talking about leaving. So, um, you know, I think he's a solid centre-back with the right player to play alongside. Tamori, you know, he, he's. we need to see Tamori playing for Chelsea again to get that vibe back that, that he can do a job. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's the young lad Guehi, um Who's, who's out on loan, isn't he, to Swansea? I think that's two years. Um, so I don't know. I think we need to buy a centre-back for sure. Um, and, and as I said, a Joey Jones or a Graham Roberts type figure, because I think, and, and I don't mean that we get players like that, but I think the impact that they had on Chelsea, I mean, we're about to do 83-84 on the 50 years of Chelsea this week, and we can see the impact that Joey had on that side, and one of my favourite seasons of all time is the eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and uh, you know what Graham Roberts did for the for the club then is you know some uh, an old pro is what we used to call them, isn't it? But they you need it, and I think you you get a central defender, a Koulibaly or a Boateng or an Alba, somebody of that kind of echelon, and you play Zuma with them. They will make Zuma a better defender. They will make Tamori a better defender. Ricky Carvalho made JT a better defender, actually. You know, and, and, and 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 by the same token, you know, JT learnt learnt his trade playing next to Desai. Yeah, yeah. So it's what you need. You know, yeah, I, I agree. You know, go out and buy a you know a 28, 29 year old um, centre back that uh, has got it all in his game. Um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. JK, you were about to say something. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, I was just I was, uh, intrigued as to as to when a when this will all happen. B, are they having to to offload players? I I, I don't quite understand what what's all the constant talk, for example, about Chilwell, which I personally don't think will happen. Um, uh, when Emerson and Alonso are still there, I mean, they're not going to have a a squad that has. Um, four fullbacks. Well, maybe they could play them all the same out. time. That might help. On on top of each other. Well, you they know, jam <laughs> each other, and they can pretend to be one player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so I, I'm I'm bemused as to um, the, the potential for actually getting rid of of large numbers of the squad. And uh, I, I'm not sure it's anything to do with money. Um, they seem to have uh, still a large amount of money to to purchase players. So. Um, but I think the obsession with the midfield, um, I, I know that I think Havertz is, is they're trying to possibly buy him because he's um, one of those young sort of gods of a player who would normally end up at Madrid or Barcelona because that's the route they take. Whereas Chelsea are trying to, to be uh, sufficiently um, um, one of the top, well, elitist to get hold of him early on, which I think is great if they can get hold of him. But I... I I fear for it being another Twitter rumor, as I've, I, you know, I got it wrong over Werner, but um, uh, I, I was always said the Saich, uh transfer sneaked in. We weren't aware of that. There was no, there was no, um, there were no Twitter echoes there at all. And I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I tweeted it yesterday. Um, the question was, who would you get rid of this year? Well, I, I'd be quite happy for a large number of them to go because I don't think they're 
anywhere near the class necessary. And they're nearly all the, they're all the oldsters. I would get rid of Emerson. I would get rid of, uh, um, I would get rid of, um, of, of Alonso, even though he's got great hair and we've loved him attacking. He's, he, he tends to switch off too much. Um, and if left back is a position, all right, let's, who we're going to buy one of those three that have been mooted or whoever, let's get one. Let's get two centre halves. Let's get rid of Rudiger. I have to say Rudiger was great against Spurs earlier on in the season. He's been put in some really top performances. This is why I'm bemused as his tailing off of form. I don't get that. But say, if he's inconsistent, get rid of him. If there was a, there's a query over he's got a two-year contract coming up or something. They've got the opportunity to get rid of him. They can get money for him. Get rid of Christensen. Buy more. Buy more centre-halves. Buy, 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 buy. Well, yeah, but... Sell, but sell, sell. sell. Given the fact that City... City, meanwhile, have got have, have got a, der, a derisory ten million fine, which is like a a tip, isn't it? It's like a a tip in a restaurant for them. You think, well, perhaps he could then flex his muscles, um, uh, Abramovich, if he feels like it, and go, sod it, I'm going to buy five really top players here. We've got two of them. Let's buy three more. Let's buy another goalkeeper. Let's buy to put pressure on Kepper. I'm not saying that Kepper's d- a disaster. Um, uh, I, I, as we've said, I think the defence needs to be better. Let's buy. Um, who else should we get? Let's get another. Let's get two. So we've got two centre halves and a fullback. That's three. Let's get another. Let's get that's four, so it's four with the goalkeeper. So we need to get rid of. We're getting rid of all these old, the old stuff. Drink water. Bakayoko still haven't been sold. They're all. They're all still on loan, aren't they? Um, uh, who else we get rid of? Um, Batshuai. He'll be out. <laughs> Batshuai. Um, what, what other players have we got that we can get rid of? Um, uh, that's two for um, um, uh, Barkley, possibly. I mean, I, I, perhaps that's that's where a, a, a top midfielder would would replace him. He's too inconsistent for me. He's part of the inconsistent aspect. Um, uh, um, and then we so you rely on Mount, who had a dreadful game the other day, but has had a terrific season. Um, um, you get rid of William. Give up. Don't have him. All right. He's played very well. But then if he just turns off, it's not worth it. Pedro's off as well. So that's two more gone. You've then got a large number of players you're not paying wages for to get these other players in. Let's do it. Will it happen? We're, we're going to find out, aren't we? Is this what Frank means? Does Frank mean actually there's going to be a clear out? Well, I think this is what they did. We're talking about this in, in 83, 84, didn't they? Yeah. Bought, John Neal. Five players. Yeah. They, they bought... Ken Bates I know, I know. Let's sign. Let's sign Kerry Dixon, Pat Nevin, Nigel right? Spackman, Spackers. Yeah, who else? Um, because he already had David Speedy and Colin Pace, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. The other two he bought. The other two. Mickey Thomas. Mickey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I reckon I they could still do a job, what mate. A player, Mickey Thomas. Yeah, mate. happy birthday, Mickey, what? for last week, by the way. What? Oh, Absolute God. legend and of a bloke. Guys, people are people are on Mixler and listening to this. What a player he was. I cannot tell you the joy that he gave me as a Chelsea fan. Well, oh. I'll tell you what, talking of good players, right, who could still do a job, I wonder if any of this lot could still do a job. Uh, Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Ron Chopper-Harris, uh, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, John Bumpstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pakes and Paul Cannaville. Well, I, by, by sheer coincidence... What? Is this a segue? It is. Sheer coincidence. Uh, They are all featured in the best podcast you've never heard, which is the Chelsea Special. Loads of interviews with these blokes. They're all absolute diamonds. Me and Martin King interviewed them all uh, last summer, and we had great fun doing it. And they really are well worth a listen. These guys absolutely still love the club to pieces, and they've been very enlightening to us. Uh, 
So go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com, uh, pay £2.99 for each podcast. Uh, we've paid the players and all that kind of thing, so there's a you know, few costs to cover, but it's that's pretty cheap, £2.99, let's be honest. Uh, and subscribe to it there. Um, if you go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com, um, all of the uh, interviews to download are on the homepage. You just scroll down, pick the one that you want, and then you go... You click on buy single episode now and uh, that will take you through the paywall. You pay your money, download it, listen to it as many times as you like. So there you go. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Chelsea underscore special and Facebook, of course. We will be back in a minute to talk about the Palace game and tomorrow night's game against Norwich. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Tea. Coffee. Hasn't really worked. Still feel knackered. It's a bit of a conundrum, Marco. I mean, one of the things we didn't say a minute ago, which I would have said, you know, if you know, technically Chelsea Football Club is in a right old pickle, and it's 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 a cumulative pickle over a lot of bad buys and mismanagement over the last minimum five years, possibly a bit more. The great spine of the team was never replaced. We all know that that's very hard to do anyway. So actually, Frank's inherited a massive buggers model, which was compounded by the transfer ban, losing hazard, etc., etc., etc. So the fact that we're talking about this quite realistically as needing to get rid of, you know, half a team minimum, you know, even if you do go and buy half a team, you know, you can see that the, the the job in hand is not a one-year job. This is a three- to five-year project, much beloved of Continental Managers. But it really is, because to to put right all those wrongs is going to take 
you know, several years, mate. I don't care who the manager is. I'd, I'd much rather it was Frank. But I don't care who the manager is. It's going to take time to fix this up, don't you think? I totally agree. And, uh, you know, my my wish is, and, and I think everybody's wish is, that Frank's going to get the latitude um, to do that because he's Frank and also because he's... Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge. He over there is Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And him down there is Mr. Mark Worrell. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you two uh, as well. Been fun so far. Right. Um, okay, we've done Sheffield United to death and all the issues therein. Uh, there was another match this uh, last week. I mean, it's crazy. It's, I can't keep up. Two matches every week. It's mental. Um, anyway, Chelsea played Crystal Palace last week. And, uh, yeah, we won uh, 3-2. Uh, Giroud scored. Always good to see Oli score. Good goal by him. Pulisic scored an absolute belter of a goal. And uh, Tammy Abraham managed to get on the score sheet with a tap-in. But in between was something akin to mayhem. Um, and what re- really uh, just astonished me, I mean, without kind of retreading what we've just done for the last hour or so, is the panic in the defence, Marco. I mean, even mm. at 3-2, you know, if it hadn't been for... I mean, talking of Zuma, praise where praise is due. I mean, his last-ditch last, min- last tackle yeah, Benteke saved the game for yeah. us, didn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know... Um... I think the, the centre-back pairing for that game was Zuma and Christensen, wasn't it? So, you know, it's kind of that question about consistency of centre-back pairings. You know, I think that game, the, the, the Palace game came off the back of uh, that sort of very nice and gentle 3-0 romp against um, Watford. Uh, when it was Christensen and Zuma at the back. So, you know, and, and Reese James and Aspie, um, either side of them. So I guess, you know, Frank thought, well, you know, they did a good job there. We kept a clean sheet. We haven't done that uh, very often. Um, you know, the Watford game came on the back of the, 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 the you know, the disappointment of losing to... Um, West Ham, didn't it? Mm. So when when it was Rudiger and Christensen at centre back, so I, you know, I, 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 it's just that lack of consistency of selection when it comes to. It's almost like if we lose, Frank Frank changes it. That's what happens. So you know, when we lost one nil to Palace, it was Aspilicueta, Rudiger, Christensen, and Alonso as as your back four. So Frank changes it to Reese, Aspie, Christensen and Zuma. We beat Watford. So he keeps that for the next game against Palace where, where it's a little bit rickety. So he thinks, hmm, change that. <laughs> and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of Groundhog Day, isn't it? Didn't the same, the same group of players do better under Sarri? According to the stats, Marco. Oh, but stats are something else. 
Well, I don't know. Is it, is it the same group of players? I'm not sure it is because last season, David Luiz was uh, pretty oh, much a permanent fixture in, in, in the back four. Um, and I think, you know, up until there was that big dust up at the start of this season, um, you know, Luiz was pretty much expected to be um, uh, to feature in, in Chelsea's team this season, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, because we knew there was a transfer ban. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just keep going back to that point about Liverpool fielding the same back four um, pretty much week in, week out, and Chelsea not doing that. They've been um, fortunate with not having any injuries, though, haven't they? They seem to be re- very fortunate with it. I, I think Gomez has been injured a bit, but other than that, they've um, they've maintained the the. Two yeah, no, that's true. I, I always think the two fullbacks, those two Liverpool fullbacks, are are a couple to be to be really emulated. You look at them and think they both whip completely phenomenal centres in all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, with Dave playing left back when he does, he doesn't have that ability to play a left-footed centre in because he's. He's right-footed, so you're always going to get. He, he does a. You get the ball in, but he'll never do that whip that you get from that being your proper foot. And when um, uh, and Reese James can do it, that's the one positive he can do. But I don't, he's not as good a defender as um, uh, as uh, uh, what's his face, the double-barrel bloke is the uh, the right. Terran Trent's right. Derby. Yeah, that's we've had that before. I can never get it right. You did that that last time, didn't I? <laughs> if it's a good joke, repeat it, mate. Rule number one of comedy. What is it? Why don't you stand? You, oh, you did that last week as well. I did as well. Did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Funnier last time. Just, yeah, just well, saying. As was as was your remark. Oh, meow. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Um, I think Marco. I'm just is, about, yeah, about go, on, go on. Full, fullbacks is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that if that? But I. But but Mark Marco, I think that's. That's what we need to aspire to. To me, yeah. two fullbacks like that, who both of them put huge pressure on defensive with these great crosses, are, are what we should be attempting to purchase, that fullback. And then I don't know where Dave gets in, if if um, if that's the case, because he can't play those crosses. No, and he never, and he never he's, has never, never been a good it's crosser. It's never been his game. But I mean, he's, you see that he's a great, great defender and a great, great player for Chelsea without trying to you know go back over what we've already discussed in in the first part I think it's a what what is a moot point and I think what is a fair criticism to make and and you know I, I it would be hypocritical of me not to say this just because it's frank when I've said this for every other manager you know I'm a great fan of you 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 know you've got a group of players I mean you can't change it you know we have transfer windows there's, you're stuck with these guys. So therefore, figure out a system that suits the majority of your players so you can get the best out of them. So if you don't, if you're not blessed with, uh, you know, two whip it uh, right, for, right, you know, fullbacks, you can bomb up and down, you know, get back as well and deliver fantastic crosses, then don't play a system which demands that that's how you play the ball. You know, if you if you play Oli Giroud up front, then don't be knocking the ball long all the time, you know, for him to chase onto. Because, you know, even I run faster than Oli Giroud. You know, so that you, you need to get the best out of the players that you have. That's what good management is. And that, I mean, to be fair, that's the best exponent of that recently was, was Antonio Conte, 
who tore it all up, half-time at Arsenal, up at the Emirates, and never looked back. You know, OK, this is the players I've got. They can't play what I want them to play, so I'll get them to play the way that they'll get the best out of them. And boy, did it work. And surely that's what you do as a good manager, Marco. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but I think, you know, we have seen that this season, though, haven't we? We, we have seen um, tactically astute Frank turn, you know, turn the tables on Mourinho a couple of times. Um, he changed it against Arsenal at the Emirates, didn't he? in-game, um, you know, so his in-game management, you know, he's got it there. Um, it's just the consistency. So it kind of gets back to that question of are the players not able to, are they not bright enough to follow instruction? Do they get distracted from the game plan? You know, possibly on both counts there. Um, you know, and then going back to JK's point, you know, I think Frank clearly, you know, we have to go with what Frank thinks his plan is. Um, clearly in his plan, Reese James is the right back as long as, um, you know, Frank's the manager. I think he sees Reese James as the right back. Uh, I don't think he knows... His two centre-backs, maybe Tamori coming back from injury um, is, is one of them. Uh, Left-back is to be purchased. Goalkeeper, question mark against. So is that going to be fixed in the summer? Yeah, it's um, going to be a job I, to do it, isn't it? That's the point. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we kind of, you know, in all our, we seem to be drawn like a magnet uh, to the uh, the porous defence that we have and understandably so and we made the point earlier on that uh, you know good teams always defend as a team so it's easy to point the finger at the last man standing but actually the root cause is usually further up the field uh, now we're missing Kante against um, Sheffield United that can't help uh, it's very revealing when you get the likes of Barkley and Mount saying you know, when you've got Kante behind you, you you feel a lot more comfortable because you know he's going to mop it up. Any any anything you miss, he's going to clean up. Now, um, of course, Kante was injured in the Palace game, and on comes the much maligned Jorginho, who who we thought had been banished from Chelsea forevermore for crimes against hairstyles. Um, but oh no, Jorginho comes on, and actually he put in a pretty decent cameo, Jonathan. Although. Although I would say that whilst he calmed the game down and he, he, he put his foot on the ball, which is what Chelsea needed at the time, Chelsea still looked incredibly susceptible to conceding goals for the last 10 minutes, which is pretty much, I think, I don't, can't remember when he came on, but, uh, you know, that last 10 minutes was hairy. So he didn't manage to stem that flow, did he? But haven't every, every, isn't every last 10 minutes, nearly all the games since lockdown, been hairy in some way? Hasn't it? We've, we've either defended too deep or... He's brought on a variety of uh, of substitutes who just didn't seem to be on the case um, or, or up to the pace of it. So that doesn't seem to be the uh, seems to be the norm to me. I thought he came on and was 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 fantastic because um, um, uh, Gilmore wasn't. I think Gilmore must have been suffering from this knee injury. He just seemed to be uh, just just not not with it at all for playing that role. I think it was a. Diff I don't think that's the normal role that he's he's there to play. I think Frank was just seeing whether he 
well, not seen whether he could. Frank obviously thought he could. But Jorginho came and we actually got the ball for the period that Jorginho was on because we weren't, we weren't, they were, once again, they were all over us. It was sort of, it was a, um, it was almost like a, a shadow of how we, I think we panicked, J.K. Sheffield United. Well, do you think that's what happens in the Sheffield United game as well? Do you uh, yeah. think that's, that's in the team nature to panic? Because um, it was... No leadership similar... again. No leadership. Well, Nobody well, holding yeah, was, the line. So it was hey. a, similar, a similar setup to how we then played against United. But it was... And he came on and, and he got masses of possession and it seemed to just calm everybody down. But... Um, immediately after that, I think the last three minutes of the game, because he was that was eight minutes. I remember counting it and thinking eight minutes is we've looked okay actually, but we still weren't creating anything, and we still weren't. Uh, uh, and we then had to, the panic of that that ridiculous header in the last few minutes that um, uh, hit the post and came out, and then luckily somebody hoofed clear before there was a um, a Palace player to get on the end of it. Um, I tell you, I tell you what, some, something to make you smile is. You know, there was the talk about McGoldrick um, hadn't scored a, a Premier League goal for Sheffield United before of course not. Yeah. he came up against the Chelsea defence. Well, in the Crystal Palace game, um, Christian Benteke hadn't scored a goal for the Eagles at Sellers Park in over two years until he came up against the Chelsea defence. So, I don't know, you can look at, you know, stuff... Quirky stuff like that. Marco. Underlines. Marco, I've got some bad news for you, son. What? Timu Puki has not scored in the league since January, a run of 11 matches, 780 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> you know what? It's quite funny because earlier I, I did my guess the score and time of the first goal competition on, on Twitter, which is still running if any listeners want to enter ahead of the game tomorrow. And a lot of people have uh, put Chelsea down to win by a fairly hefty scoreline, but Norwich to score one. And Pookie's the man that is saying he's going to get it. <laughs> it's worth a bet, isn't it? Blimey. Well, why well, not? We've been why very not? consistent. So it should be 3-1 then, shouldn't it? Well, look. Three because of the three. <clears throat> Let, the, uh, the curse of three. And they'll get one because of Pookie. Let's, let's kind of move on to that. I mean, you know... I think an honourable shout should be given to Pulisic. It was again fantastic, and that was a great. He's really turning into some player. But his time for discussion on the fan cast will surely come again. Um, we're obviously in a bit of a bit of a pickle, aren't we? Because you know, losing to Sheffield United's put us behind the eight ball a bit in terms of finishing in the top four. Uh, Leicester, of course, have done us a massive favour. My feelings are this: is that you know, I think United might well win all of their remaining matches. They're currently 2-1 up against Southampton, having gone 1-0 behind on 12 minutes. They've got Palace and West Ham and Leicester. But it's conceivable to me that United, who at the moment are on 58 points, could end up with 70 points. Because they're on fire at the moment. They are in a rich vein of form. And that chap, Fernandes, is a good player and he seems to be getting the best out of Pogba. So... I think we could quite happily see, well, not happily, but I think we could quite easily see United finishing third. So really, I think it becomes between us and Leicester. Now, thanks to Leicester imploding against Bournemouth, right now, as the table stands, we're in fourth on 60 points. Leicester are fifth on 59. Leicester have Sheffield United, Spurs and Man United. 
none of their games are even Tottenham. I mean, they're not pushovers. So let's say they beat Tottenham. That's three points. Um, Man United will, will probably beat Leicester. And I think Sheffield United will give them a go. The maximum they can get, let's say, if we're being kind, four points. So they draw against Tottenham, lose to Man United. Uh, draw against Tottenham, lose against United. And uh, and even if, well, actually, no, win against Tottenham, draw against Sheffield United, lose to Man United. That's four points. So that would that would have them on 63. So we've got, a win and, we've got to get a win and a draw. A draw, yeah. To better Leicester, I reckon. We got Norwich nobody tomorrow. Nobody else can catch us, Chidge. Nobody else can. Catch no, no, the others are all out of it. But unless we lose everything and we play like a bun- bunch of wankers, but for for sake of argument, I think it's between us, Leicester, and Man United. So if we beat Norwich tomorrow, we'll have sixty-three points, which is what I'm saying is the maximum that Leicester will get. So we need to get a point out of Liverpool and Wolves. I actually think we've got a better chance of beating Liverpool than we have of beating Wolves. Yeah, because I think Liverpool are on the beach and Henderson's out. So all is not lost, JK, in my little perfect bubble of a world here. I think we'll come fourth by a point or two. Well, the game isn't over tonight, is it? Suddenly Southampton might come back and win 3-2, Chidge. Let's just see. Let's not make our, our judgments yet. Well, um, it's 40 minutes gone and it's 2-1 to United. So. Well, let's see. Well, yes, we never know. Still, they've scored one. You know, let's see. Um, they're not bad, Southampton. Ings is a good player. So's. Uh, um, who's the little winger they've got? Begins with an R. What's his name? Um, can't remember. Anyway, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I only watch Chelsea, J.K. So I wouldn't know. I, I tend to try and have a an overall view of other teams just to be able to contribute in the fan cast, but clearly forget everybody's names mm. that me. So, do you, um, would you agree um, with me? Have I got this right? Do you think? Um, I don't think Leicester will win anything. I think Leicester have had it. I think Leicester have just somehow imploded so uh um if they don't win anything does that does mean we could only we could go up with um with uh with only winning one or we could go up with not winning any more no i think i think we need a win a draw and a loss is the best you know is the worst that we well we can't afford to clearly we can't afford to lose all three drawing all three is not an option either we need to beat norwich uh draw against uh one of Liverpool or Wolves, and we could probably still afford to lose. But clearly, it'd be preferable to win them all. I mean, the other, <clears throat> the, you know, the other issue is Wolves. The, the Wolves are currently yeah. currently six points behind us, and of course, we play them last. Yeah. Yes. What we don't want is to only be three points ahead of Wolves, right? And playing them in the last game because if Indeed, they were to win, no, that's what I said. Was there anybody else who could overtake us? Because their, their goal difference is, yeah. is as shonky as ours, by the way. So, we well, might... Wolves, is, Wolves' next two games are Burnley away and Crystal Palace at home. Neither easy. Not not easy, but not, not... better 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 than Leicester's, I would say. Yeah. Um, Definitely better than Leicester's. Their goal difference is 11 and ours is 14. So we actually have a better goal difference than Wolves. But I still say we can't afford to go into that. I mean, we want to be going into that last game. Uh, I, I, think, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine too. You know, I think we'll get Rizzo out of Liverpool. I think we'll beat Nor- Norwich tomorrow. And, you know, maybe draw against Wolves. You know, who knows? Maybe it'll all be done and dusted by then. Maybe may too late for Wolves by then. Yeah, yeah. But of course, all this will go completely tits up, dear le- listener, if we don't get a result against Norwich tomorrow night. Well. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Which, of course, should be a shoe in. 
But of course, of course, Norwich are already relegated. So is our money, Marco, going on the yellow-shirted Brazilian-esque players of East Anglia turning up and playing like peak Brazil because the pressure is off? Well, there's there's always that possibility, but I I just don't see it happening. I, I just think... Yeah, they might do the other thing of just rolling over, mightn't they? Well, you know, what has their what have they done in their last? Um, let's have a look. What they've done in their last few games. Uh, so obviously they they got walloped four 0 at home by West Ham. Then they lost previous to that. They lost two one away at Watford, having led one nil. Lost 1-0 at home to Brighton. Uh, lost 4-0 at Arsenal. Lost 1-0 at home to Everton. Lost 3-0 at home to Southampton. So that's it. So basically they've just lost every game they've played yeah. since, since, since restart. Okay. So what would be the Chelsea thing to do then? Well, if I if I give you a bit more context, JK, maybe I can worry you more. I've already given you the Timu Puki stat, so put your money on him to score. Uh, we are unbeaten in our last 11 league matches against Norwich. Um, we are aiming to win five successive Premier League games at Stamford Bridge for the first time since winning seven in a row under Conte. Um, Norwich could lose an eighth consecutive league game for the first time in their history. Right, so you know where this is all going, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Defeat against Chelsea would mean Norwich sustained twenty-five losses in a single season for the first time in in league football. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! Why do we bother reading this shit? You know, it just is sent there to just like jab away at us, jab away at us, taunt us. Okay, a more serious questions afoot. The bad news is that uh, defender Andreas Christensen is fit again. So he may well play, but uh, only matched by the other bad news that Kante won't be back. So, I mean, there are two questions for me, really, boys. One, who on earth plays in defence and who on earth plays in midfield? Because we know it pretty much picks itself up front. So, Marco, who plays in defence for you? Well, tomorrow. Tomorrow's injured, mate. Yeah, no, I would go with... I would play Alonso, actually. I think... He's a bit of a flat track bully, isn't he, Alonso? Um, I think he could do a good job at left back. Uh, I would play Reese on the right. And, you know, if I was going to be spiteful, Frank, I'd play four at the back, but play Aspie, um, Aspie as one of the centre backs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> which one of the others available to him? Is he still talking to? Uh, probably Zuma. So I'd go for that. Yes, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? Yes. But would he play? Is is Kovacic um, okay? Is he? He was on the bench, wasn't he? Kovacic. He was injured before, so we didn't try him out. I wonder whether he give, give Kovacic a, a go instead of Jorginho in that middle role. Yeah. Can he play there? Can Kovacic play in that middle role? Where can, Why not? Can, playing yeah why not yeah i think you'll have a go with him there actually i you know the, i think you'll he'll keep going with barkley because he, he likes that the, the the speed that he can play at 
I mean, there's only two things that Frank can do, really, isn't there? Either he sticks to the same side exactly to punish them, which is right. Okay, you horrible, you shower, you terrible shower. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourselves. You are all collectively drinking in the last chance saloon. Okay, so you've got to go out there and prove to me that you can do it or, or that's it. You're all toast. So he could do that. Or, and which is what I think he will do, I think Frank likes to put people on the naughty step. So I think he might single out a few people for naughty step treatment. Christensen would be one. Rudiger would be another. And Jorginho, I think, might be the other. And I think William might be one of them as well. I think I think Hudson Adoy. Um, oi, oi, oi. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll get a game tomorrow. I'd like yeah. to see him get a game. Just, to, you know, again, sort of, it's a good opportunity for him to get a goal under his belt and um, put, put, you know, the lockdown drama behind him. Well, I don't think this is a time to piss around. This, you know, the three matches they've got left, irrespective of what I said earlier, are all on paper apart from this one, tough. This is the banker. They have to win this, not least because if they do win it, they put the pressure right back on Leicester, who have got a really tough match against Sheffield United. I mean, how many times, this is the trouble, how many times have we seen a side like Sheffield United play brilliantly and make us look like a fifth division side? And then the next match, they they, they play like absolute shit. Uh, you know, I, I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, Leicester, I think, have got a very tough match against Sheffield United. So if we if we hammer Norwich and then Leicester lose to Sheffield, suddenly it's looking a little bit a little bit more comfortable. I still think we'll be in fourth behind United, although when, I, when do United play? Um, they've got their next matches against Palace away. They're playing on Thursday, by the looks of it, as are Leicester. They both play on the same night. So, you know, we could be back up to... Um, we could be back up to to third again, couldn't we? By or no, yeah, yeah, we would be if we beat Norwich tomorrow night. We'll be back up to third. I hate it. It's all very nip and tuck, isn't it? Bottom line, J.K. What do you think is going to happen, old fruit? Oh, I think, as I said, I think Leicester will lose everything, um, and I think um, we'll beat Norwich, uh, and we may even beat Liverpool, and that would be the end of that, or get the one point against Liverpool, and then the Wolves game becomes meaningless. I think mm. that's what happened. Yeah. Mind you, I prophesied that we beat uh, Sheffield United 4-3. So uh, what do I know? Indeed. Marco, what do you know? 4-0. Uh, to Norwich? No, Chelsea. <laughs> to Chelsea. The look on Marco's face. If ever there was a look of disdain, that was it. Chidge, what are Olivier, you smoking? Olivier Giroud's going to score a hat-trick. I mean, he needs to play him from the beginning, though. You must play him from the beginning. He must. On that point, I, I have to say that. We didn't really touch on this earlier, but I love Tammy Abraham. But, uh, you know, he's just, <laughs> he's not on the he's not in form at the moment. You've got to play Oli Giroud at the moment. You really, really have. He's in good form. And for, for Oli to be in good goal scoring form is rare enough, but he is. Fabulous Watford goal. Yeah. And poor old Gary Cahill tearing his yep. hamstring was awful but there he was to tap in from uh, from uh, William William's cross against Palace so he was uh, he's um, he, he just looks as if he'll score Giroud mm, he does doesn't he in a way that unfortunately Tammy doesn't I think he'll play William by the way I don't think he'll play Hudson Odoi from the start either way I think we'll win because obviously I'm Chelsea and that's how it is <laughs> <laughs>
So there you go. All will be revealed tomorrow night. We will be anxiously crowding round our little television sets tomorrow uh, in what I like to call the padded cell of my uh, of my living room. So there we go. Now, um, after this very short break, JK and I will decide how much time we have to read the huge amount of emails that you so generously have sent our way. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast in the home straight. Uh, now, as you all know, part four is all about the emails, and uh, this week you have excelled yourself. Um, there's a very good chance we might not get through them all because time is a moving on and I have I have other things to do rather than be up all night editing Chelsea fancasts. So we'll get through as many as we can and any we don't get through, we will hold over. How does that sound, JK? No, I don't want to read any of them. Well, I'll tell you what, can you read the first one? Because I need to, I'm going to go and get myself a glass of water because I've got a mouth like an, uh, uh, I have to be careful what I say here. I can't say the <laughs> non, like a... It's dry. <laughs> That's all Did you see I was pretending to be drunk then? Did you see? Do you think I was any good? Was that any I good? didn't notice the difference, to be honest. Oh, that's interesting. I must slur a bit more. Um, um, Chris Castley, who was indeed himself held over from last week. This is um, Chris Castley. Afternoon, Chidge, Jonathan, et al. There's nobody called Al here. Oh, et, et al, as in everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's Marco. It's Marco. Terrible joke, sorry. I've only been listening to the podcast for the last couple of months, although I've been buying the CFC UK fanzine for years. Heresy, I know. Firstly, great efforts to keep going during the lockdown. As football comes back to some sort of normality with the return of the Premier League, the show proves that fans are at the heart of any football club. It's a cliche that gets used over and over again. However, listening to stories from years gone by and views on the current team show that without fans, football really is nothing agree completely cannot wait to get back to my season ticket in the shed up gate eight when we're allowed to go back i had no choice but to follow chelsea with my family coming from the world's end my granddad first went in the 1920s bunking under the turnstiles and getting into the ground between people's legs uh, my dad used to carry me over my dad first went in the 1954-55 season seeing chelsea claiming their first league title and at the time thinking it was always going to be like this alas my first season was around 82-83, the worst season we ever had. I was too young to really appreciate how bad things were, given I had no real reference point for Chelsea being good, other than hearing Dad's countless tales about the 60s and 70s team, and of course, winning the FA Cup in 1970. Over time, growing up and being one of the few Chelsea fans at school, you began to realise that compared to Liverpool, United, Arsenal and <clears throat> Spurs were better than us and had been for some time. Um, while we've been spoilt for years now, starting with the 1997 FA Cup win, it's important we don't take it for granted. Seeing us become one of the biggest clubs in the world has been an absolute privilege, but it's also important to remember where we've come from. That's what the 50 years of Chelsea and my Chelsea series is doing for me. Hearing Rick Glanville's memories the other night reminded me of those moments when you first go. As he said, the smell of fried onions, sausages and burgers mixed in with that of horse manure and the smell of cigarettes. Remember those? The smells I automatically associate with walking along the Fulham Road to a match. 
Oddly, one of my favourite seasons remains the 93-94 season, despite flirting with relegation and ultimately getting tonked by United in the cup final. I'm not going to sully this email with my views on a certain former Harrow schoolmaster referee. <laughs> that season and the various matches beating United and Liverpool, the last minute winner to relegate Sheffield United in the rain, losing to Oldham, stand out for me above all others. That said, winning 20-odd trophies in the subsequent 27 years probably helps what are rose-tinted memories. Worst game, Moscow. Yeah, me too. And losing the 1994 final aside, and the 67 one. Being a nine-year-old on the shed to see us lose in the playoff to Middlesbrough was sobering, especially with the decent side we had. Best games being there for the 97 final and, uh, and out in Munich and beating Bolton in 2005 even though I was at a wedding reception in Wales where the groom was a Spurs fan. Magic. Stay safe and up the chills. Chris Casley. Well done, Chris. Lovely letter. Lovely, lovely, lovely. <sighs> lovely, isn't it? The, these um, 50 years of Chelsea and the My Chelsea's have been going down a storm. A lot of people are loving are loving what we're doing with that. And, and I mean, all I can say is probably about as much as we're in, enjoying doing them. They're great, great fun. So there you go. Chris, thank you. I think we, we share your sentiments there. And thank you for giving us a little bit of your own version of my Chelsea. Right. Alastair Adams says, Hi, Chidge, JK, et al. Uh, to start, I've only been listening to the fan cast for about a year now, but find it's excellent. The banter and discussion is always top notch. And it really does keep me as a relatively young blue up north in the loop, as it were particularly seeing as my last match in person was Crystal Palace at home under Mourinho in 2015, an abysmal loss in which Falcao scored one of his only goals for us. God, I remember that. I think that was the header, wasn't it? It was a yeah. good goal. Yeah. Speaking of abysmal losses, I'd have to say Saturday evenings was one of the worst I've seen. And an enormous clear-out of the dead wood is surely on its way in the summer. On that note... I had an interesting idea which utilises the exceptionally professional talent of one Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whilst channel hopping recently, I happened upon one of those airport security type documentary shows based at a Peruvian airport and covered their handling of a drug trafficking, bear with me on this, which I noticed immediately was being narrated by Chelsea Fancast's own JK. Wouldn't a similar mockumentary of sorts be rather amusing in this very vein, but based on our own lacklustre Chelsea season instead? I propose a script that starts something like this. Must be read in JK's uh, serious narration voice over to you, JK. Stamford Bridge, London, UK, July 2020. Carry on. It's a stifling summer's day in the British capital as club officials go about their daily business. Manager and team leader Frank Lampard is on the lookout for suspicious activity. And after a gruelling afternoon at the office, he thinks he may have indeed have done so. One man spotted on the security cameras appears to be carrying an enormous weight on his back, though when questioned closely, the man, who spoke with an American accent, simply turned out to be working very hard and as such was let on his way. Across the stadium, however, another suspect wasn't so fortunate. This man, a tall and well-built well German, appeared on the surface to be both respectable and experienced. However, when questioned, soon began to sweat profusely and cracked spectacularly 
un spectacularly, I'll have to go again, Judge, under the pressure, making multiple rookie mistakes, including admittance that he was in fact a fraud. If convicted, the sentence for this crime at Stamford Bridge is anything from being dropped for the next game to a new two-year contract. End of serious narration. Uh, I hope that that, that that was at least mildly amusing and not as unfunny as one might be when writing this at 2am on a Saturday night. Please do keep up the podcast. It's, it's a genuinely fantastic thing. And one day... It would be a pleasure to meet up with some of you at a match whenever it's possible to do so. I totally echo that. Up the up the Chelsea, stay safe, everyone. Alistair from southernmost Manchester. Uh, Alistair, well done, mate. That was brilliant. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm going to pat me and J.K. on the back there. I thought we did a good double out there. I made a couple of errors though. Chips. That's all right. It's all right. Sorry. Don't worry. You know, this this was for fun, not for money. You know, so okay. it's okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Good email. Great idea. Um, yeah, I, I've always thought that the Chelsea fan cast was basically a mockumentary about Chelsea all the time anyway, <laughs> really. But there you go. Uh, next little ditty is from uh, Colin. Our, our mate Colin, the, the, the Rangers fan from Colin Glasgow. McClellan. Yeah. Not so good morning to you, lads. I write this after sleeping on what was a calamitous result at Bramall Lane. I'm not going to go off on one like the Chelsea Twitterati at the result last night. I pose one question to you all. If we can see centre-back is in dire need of surgery, why has Frank and the board's targets or rumoured targets all been in other non-key positions? It does alarm me when I see Christensen and Zuma lack any urgency for the first two goals. Let's be honest, it could have been four by half-time. I understand Frank's logic to match the formation in the second half. However, to switch to a three when the defence is completely low on confidence compounded our problems yesterday. Moving forward, I want to see Giroud starting in the team. And if Mr. Abraham wants the same contract terms as his peers, I would suggest he needs to prove to us he's worth that. Since the restart, I've seen nothing to suggest he's deserving of this yet. The only player that receives a pass mark for me yesterday is Giroud, purely for work rate and his effectiveness of giving us an out ball at times. Even then, it's a six out of ten. Keep the blue flag flying high. Stay staunch. What a great word. Staunch. <laughs> I love that. Staunch. Colin. I love that. Well done, Colin. Yes, agree completely. Yeah, Colin, basically, I think actually I'll answer this then. Uh, and I've, I'll tell you why I'll answer this, because I've seen a lot of talk like that. I think even Steve uh, Flymo was, was saying this. People getting very cross that we we don't seem to have addressed the central defensive issue, bought any central defenders yet, whatever. But the, the season hasn't finished you know, we've, we've kind of done some good work to get the deals done that we've got done. But, you know, we haven't finished the season. There's still time for us to go and buy these players should we have to, which, of course, we do. You know, so so don't panic, people. I'm sure it's in hand. The time to, to get all up in arms about it is when the transfer window is no longer open and we're stuck with the rubbish that we have got, having not bought anybody. But I don't think we're there yet. I think there is time, isn't there, J.K.? I think the trouble is, is the precedent has been set yeah. for, for everybody, hasn't it, in buying uh, um, uh, Werner. And they immediately think, wow, we're going to be doing it. This is it. Buy another one. Buy another one. Buy somebody else. Instead of thinking, actually, they're rethinking this and selling other players first. Because I really think they won't buy anybody until they get rid of 
four or five players first. I just think that makes much more sense to me. But they're not they're not paying the wages, you know. But, but we still don't know, do we? That's the point. We don't know no, yet don't. And, until no, the don't. fat lady has sung. Uh, keep the faith. Right. Next email <clears throat> is from Chopper Aris. That's what he says. Chopper Aris. Uh, evening all. Well, after sitting through another Jekyll and Hyde performance, I thought I would write to pose a couple of questions. What is the short-term answer in defence? That's what everybody wants to know. For me, Kepa has to take time out. Uh, time for the big willy. I would put Ruben into the back four for his sight, his height, presence and his ability to bring the ball out. Not sure about that. Midfield, the ball needs to move quicker. Kovacic and Jorginho can do this along with Mount. Up front, Giroud for the remainder of the games. Long, long term, Kepa has to be replaced with any number of goalkeepers from the Premier League or from the continent. All would be an upgrade. The back four, what has happened to Ampadu? Could he fit into our defence? He looked quality for us and Wales. And here goes, what about a Jorginho swap for Ramsey? Which, interestingly enough, has kind of been talked about in the press. Ramsey is a leader. Uh, (coughs) Bless me. Uh, Ramsey is a leader. Has proven Premier League savvy, scores goals and can drag us through uh, some games like Sheffield United. He set out. He has sat out at Juventus thanks to Sarri. Excuse me while I laugh, and would be fresh and match ready for next season. Hey, we took in Fabregas, which was unpopular at the time, but he ended up showing us his class. We really need a natural leader out there, and Jorginho clearly does not have a future with us. Keep up the good work. Cheers, chops. Um, some interesting points there, Marco uh, Kepper, particularly. What, what what would you think of Ramsey coming in for Jorginho? I don't buy that one at all. It was just a, it was an interesting story bubbling up on Twitter at the moment about um, Kepper being used as bait for Oblak um, in a player exchange deal. I, I, I'd like that one. Um, Jorginho, I think, is, is a cash deal. Don't want a player for him. Get rid. If he's going, just get rid of him. Take the money. We were talking about and on and on and on and on and on and on and on, weren't we, uh, JK? But I mean, I think he's okay. But I tell you what, there's some good keepers in the Premier League that I wouldn't sniff at. Nick Pope would uh, be up there for me. Uh, Henderson, if, Henderson, Henderson's yeah. a decent goalie, isn't he? Very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, would United be willing to sell him? You know, you wonder. Um, well, I bet Burnley would be willing to sell Nick Pope because they've got no money. I mean, the rumours kicking around two months ago were that yeah. with the lockdown and everything. That Burnley yeah. could be could have run out of money by August. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, but they, there was a possibility they might go under, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wave, wave, wave a few Chelsea wads in their general northern direction, mate. Is what yeah. I say. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it needs to be somebody who. I mean, I don't even think necessarily need to get rid of Kepper at the time. Just somebody. Other clubs have got three keepers, all of um, two of whom are um, um, are really normally sufficiently competent to actually play in the Premier League so that might be a way out of it so you don't then um, you, you just put pressure on him to be better um, I, I don't know what the policy is at the club I, I would uh, I personally would go for, go for a goalie yeah and I think I think um, um, once again it depends what the the situation is they might get Pope cheaply as well if if Burnley have got a problem they might say, "All right, well, we're, there aren't any other people sniffing around. Let's let they might flog him." Some, some... Uh, it, it, it depends on the state of the club, as you say. Yeah. You know, rather than accept a huge amount of money, they might just accept thirty million or something, which would be a snip. 
uh, executive decision time, JK. We're going to do uh, one uh, one more for you, which is Jalal. And then I'll, I'll finish up with Vinod and then we'll call it quits because we ain't going to get through the rest of them. And it's two hours gone already. So uh, it's my bedtime. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's okay. Done. So you got uh, Jalal. We've not heard from Jalal before, so very nice to hear from him. I'm presuming Is it it's Karadia, him. Jalal or Karadia? Jalal uh, Karadia. Karadia, good yeah. stuff. Hello, Uncle Chidge. Oh, Uncle Hello. Mr. Kid, oh, I'm a Mr. and esteemed guest. It's Marco. I hope you're all doing well and staying as safe as possible. My name is Jalal. I've been listening to your show for the better part of five years. Blimey, Jalal. And I've loved and appreciated every episode you all put out. Oh, sweet. I started out listening to the show when I was making hour-long commutes to my college on a daily basis. Having your dulcet tones prevent me from road rage was the best part of my mornings most weeks. The show also allowed me to make a connection to what real Chelsea fandom is like in England. We're not real, Jalal. While it does make me jealous being unable to watch a game live, surrounded by thousands of maniacs, I'm proud to say that I've only missed a handful of games over the last 12 years. Needless to say, I bleed blue, always have, always will. All of this is a preamble, however, as I'm writing this after our team put out a lifeless performance against Sheffield United. Disclaimer, this is being written after Bournemouth did us a massive favour by beating the Foxes 4-1. I have zero tactical knowledge as I don't have any have my coaching badges. Well, neither of us, unlike the thousands of world-class coaches on Twitter. Aha. Therefore, I won't go into tactics and such. However, the lack of urgency, desire, fight and cojones we showed against Sheffield was an absolute disgrace. Agree completely. The play was uninspired and lethargic. But my complaint is not with the attackers. It's hard to attack against a team who defend as well as Sheffield. And that certainly doesn't completely excuse our attacking players. However, when our defence loses concentration and hands Sheffield United simple goals, I can't help but feel bad for our attack. Sheffield taking the lead was the last thing we wanted. We wanted as it allowed them to sit even deeper and pull us out further and hit harder and faster on the counter. Case in point, the third goal. Watching that first goal back is so infuriating. Both Zuma and Christensen can be seen just ball watching as Kepper makes a save. They're so slow to react and leave Kepper and the rest of the team out to dry. This is the second time since restart that our defence, especially Andreas, has failed to react to a ricocheted ball in the box. What are they doing? Why are they just standing there? Surely they must have some instincts to rely on and possibly practice it. I agree. It's these kind of lapses in concentration that make it hard for me to blame Lampard for our defensive woes. Yes, he definitely needs to take some blame for our set-piece setup, but for open play, I can't see how he is to blame for these mistakes. The second goal. What in the world is Reese doing? Why is he not communicating to William to change marks or do anything? We heard, we heard from Lampard post-match that his team wasn't talking enough. Maybe this was one example in which someone needed to shout out directions or anything at all. The first step to, to preventing this goal is to prevent the cross. Next comes the marking in the box. What is Christensen marking? What about Zuma? They're both marking empty space. Neither of them are tight enough to the Sheffield striker. And it's another free shot on target. They make it far too easy for the opponents. Also, I know it was a pinpoint header into the corner, but I would love to see Kepper at least try and dive for it. The number of times I've seen him watch a ball go past him into the net is staggering. 
he may not have gotten to it, but maybe no goalie gets to it that I, I don't know. But at least try, man. I may be being harsh on him, but show some effort. Lastly, the third goal. I have very little to say except just fucking clear the ball, man. I don't understand what Rudiger's doing there. I feel a bit bad for Lampard. One week our centre-backs are amazing, Man City. The next week they play like this. He can't trust any of our centre-backs at the moment. We all want Fiaco back at this point. Hope to God he can do better and be consistent. I'm sorry for the long jumble of frustration. No, we were all like that. We were all like that, Jalal. But I felt I had to write this out after seeing the amount of toxicity heading the way of Tammy post-match. Yes, Tammy wasn't great. Yes, he should have scored at least once, maybe twice. But how much of this game was actually down to him and the attack being at fault? Was Tammy really the reason we lost? I seriously don't think so. I'll leave the conversation about the attack to people who know far more than I. But I don't think this was down to our striker. Sorry for the long email, boys. No problem. But I had to get all of that out of my system as the hate and toxicity online was getting too much for me to handle. Maybe I should ignore it. But being overseas and having no friends who support Chelsea, the internet is the only place left to get any Chelsea connection and conversation. I appreciate all the work that all of you do to get this show up and running and out to fans like me. My fandom to this beautiful club is only enhanced by this show. It's become a big reason as to why I'm so invested in Chelsea. When I eventually pass down my fandom, a large part of it will be because of you all. Thanks again, boys and girls, if Alex is on. And stay safe. Jalal. Lovely sentiment, Jalal. Lovely. So fantastic to know that you've been listening for so long and uh, brilliant and that it means so much to you. I, I feel quite touched, actually. Yeah. Thank you much that's Me absolutely too. Lovely. Yeah, i'm lovely. Tick tickled lovely. by that that's that's really yeah. lovely sentiment brilliant. and uh brilliant. well i mean bottom line is jalal we wouldn't do it if it wasn't for people like you so you should give yourself a pat on the pat on the back there i do you know what Re reading uh jalal's email there makes me me think that you know because you know i keep coming up with ideas for doing new new podcasts that never come to fruition because i suddenly realize that i don't actually have any time but another one we could do jonathan you know another weekly one we could do particularly when we lose is we could have a therapy session you know, because yeah. I think actually what Jalal's saying there, and I, I kind of agree with him, is that for everybody, well, for anybody, you know, because you know, I agree. I, I hated Twitter after the match; it was absolutely awful, and it made me want to go away. You do need somewhere where you can, you know, kind of work through it. So maybe we could offer that. Anyway, moving on. I could arrange a little little couch in here. Actually, this is just brilliant. On, on, I wish I could see that you could see this all at home, people. Marco's sitting in darkness. All I, all, all I can see is just the little outline of his face and occasionally the reflection on his glasses of his computer screen. Mate, turn the light on. It's well... You look like uh, Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now, mate. The horror! The horror, the horror! There you go. Oh, thank God for that. It was re that was really freaking me out, mate. I've got to be honest. I was having, having Kurtz-like flashbacks. I thought he'd gone. No, no, I can see, I can see the reflection of his, of his laptop and his glasses. So I knew he was there. Right, last email of the week. We'll, we'll rattle through this and then we'll let these lovely boys go home. Uh, it's from our, our great mate, Vinod, um, who, who we've got to know really well over the last few years. <clears throat> he says, hi, all. Uh, trust you're all doing well. First, a big thank you to everyone associated with the fan cast for keeping this running during the lockdown. I won't talk about what happened on the pitch on Saturday. I'm certain all aspects of the game would have been covered. What bothered me 
was the reaction from fans. It was almost as if people were waiting for an opportunity to have a go at Frank Lampard. It didn't take much for the gloves to come off and the knives to come out. I have three points to make in this regard. I, I, do want, I know he's not, but I do wonder if Vinod uh, J.K. has lost, uh, you know, missed his calling as a barrister. I see him yeah. as, a, as a barrister for the defence. Yes, indeed. Defence counsel. Three points to make in this regard. I love him. I love him. He's such a bright spark. Anyway, number one, what were our expectations before the start of the season? This is kind of a point I was making. I would have been happy with sixth or seventh. I would have been content if Lampard avoided relegation. A lot of people underestimate how well Lampard has done to integrate so many young players in a span of two months. Sports persons rely on muscle memory to react fast. That's why they can track the ball looking elsewhere. The split-second decisions aren't decisions. They are involuntary movements. Now, putting a young player in an environment where he is not accustomed to, like a stadium with 40,000 fans, he will be more conscious and circumspect. It will be understandable if the reactions are slower. Imagine the goading and motivating Frank would have done to make these kids feel home. And in any case, anyone, and in case anyone forgets, these kids are the reason why... We are where we are. Two, there is an argument that if the players are unmotivated, it's the manager's fault. Anyone who propagates this theory hasn't managed a team in his life. I used to say the same thing when I was in college. These are professionals. They're being paid huge sums to do their job. Motivation should come from within, as should discipline. But considering a lot learn their trade from unstructured setups, wavering is understandable, though not acceptable. Three, I read that we need better assistant coaches. Jody is not up to the task. I didn't know fans had so much insight on what happens in the training ground. The kind of conclusions that are drawn based on pure conjecture is mind-boggling. It's one thing to generate a hypothesis or a theory and a completely different thing to announce we need a defensive assistant coach. The subtext reads, Frank cannot coach defending. The most damning thing I heard Frank say post-match was that the players were told what to do, but they did not do that. They were given tactical notes. Maybe they are too dense. Maybe they're not up to it. Or maybe they don't feel like it. Either way, a personal turnover in the defensive setup cannot come fast enough for me. We desperately need a leader in the centre of the final third. My apologies for the longish rant. Thankfully, good old Brendan dropped points and the fourth place is back in our hands. Keep the faith and the blue flag flying high. Best regards, Vinod. What, th- what do you think of that one? Um, I think we've, we've agreed with some of it, haven't we? Um, uh, and I didn't know that Jody had been, been taken to the cleaners. Yeah, on yeah. Use your Twitter nonsense. And, uh, yeah, use absolute, absolute bollocks. Um, um, it's an interesting, interesting fact. If, if they had been given all these notes and they're not applying them, then uh, um, how do you get them to, to react? Normally, footballers are pretty good at taking things on. Um, but once again, this is information I didn't know. I didn't know that um, uh, um, that some Frank cannot coach defending. I mean, they're all they've got a whole team of coaches to be doing everything for that. I, I'm, I'm just whether the players respond. If the players don't respond, I think you do as Vinod suggests. You uh, you try and replace them if they're not up to the task. Um, but I don't think Jody isn't up to the task. I think uh, I'm amazed that bemused that Jody hasn't been as uh, um, prominent because normally we see him much more on the sidelines always about 72 minutes he normally wanders over to Frank and they have a, a chin wag over what they need to be doing I haven't seen him been doing that perhaps that's because he's want to be keeping socially distanced from him but um, I think the expectation at the start of the season was uh, 
what we talked about earlier, which in fact you you pointed it out earlier, Chidge, which uh, and I responded to. It's their own fault for being so good early on. Mm. But, um, we'll leave we'll leave the last word on this to the right honourable Mark Worrell, the uh, the Chelsea MP for uh, East Cheam. Mark, what say you? Uh, what about Jody? Well, about the lot, really. Um, you know, kind of alluding to the point I made about, you know, we're all pretty glad that Frank was there at the beginning. So, you know, why are we all leaping on his back now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I just think you, it's easy to, to beat the guy up and beat the team up because we lost 3-0 to Sheffield United. But then give it a bit of perspective. Look at the Premier League table. Consider the conversation we've just had that Chelsea are quite likely to finish fourth. Um, and that's a good season. And, you know, as I said, we could beat Man United on Sunday and be talking about an FA Cup final next week. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked about that, have we? That's a very good point. We could indeed. Yeah. Because United are being, being bigged up by everybody and it wouldn't surprise me if we then turned them over. About that's time we did. Kind of thing that Chelsea do. Yeah, about time we did. Um, yeah. I think the bottom line is I think he's done very well, as have the kids, and I think we are seriously punching above our weight at the moment if you if one just looks at the Premier League table. Uh, you know, we we should make top four and I don't think I didn't think we would at the beginning, and that says it all to me. Great email, Vinod. I hope you're well, buddy. Uh right, that I'm afraid. We we there are at least seven more emails to read. We are not gonna get through them tonight, but I've tried to pick out the ones tonight that are pertinent to the discussions we've had this evening. Uh, all the others from you, and I, I won't name names, but they're all nice and generic. So they can be read any time, but I hopefully uh, will get onto them next week. All right, so panic not. As you know, our policy is if we have time, we read them all out. And if we don't have time, we read them next week. That's how we roll. Uh, now, I'm afraid that is all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday to look back at the Norwich match and the aforementioned Man United FA Cup semi-final, which will be the day before. Uh, and who will be playing next week? We've got Liverpool on the Wednesday. It just doesn't stop. I tell you, I'm going to need a rest after this flaming season's finished. So there'll be plenty to discuss, as ever. Um, on the show with me, quite a noteworthy show next week, Jonathan, obviously. But making his debut on the show, I have succumbed. Uh, after years of lengthy, uh, drawn-out negotiations, either in the Ritz Hotel in London or the Trump Tower in New York City, finally, the uh, the head honchos of Chelsea Fancast and the London is Blue podcast have reached an agreement and a settlement for one of those hairy mob from the States to appear on the only Chelsea podcast that matters. Right, there you go. Well, no, in all seriousness, joking side, absolutely on. But apparently the hilarious thing, we've got Nick Villaney. Nick Villaney from London is Blue on next week. And uh, and I really honestly thought, well, you know, great. About time we got one of you lot on. And he said, well, I've been on before. I said, I don't remember that. <laughs> I really couldn't remember. And he swears blind he's been on the show. I was, making a big, I was making a big thing about it. It was the first time anybody from London Blue has been on the podcast. He said, well, we, we've been on before. And I, I swear I don't remember. I've got a memory like a goldfish. That's that's my excuse. So there we go. So we've got me and Jonathan, Nick Villaney. He's the one with a very deep kind of Bob Butker yeah. type voice. I'm there. So yeah. he, he and, he and John, Jonathan can have voice offs. Uh, and to try and bring some sense and order to it all, we've got the absolutely lovely Dane Whittle coming on for his second appearance, I think. Of course, Dane, as you probably know, he does all of our Instagram stuff. 
So it'd be lovely to get Dane on. And Dane is half an half American, so it's a bit of a bit of an Amer- We can do our mock American accents till the till, till the we cows come like home. Irony, yeah. Irony. Well, I, I'll, I'll write a script full of words like warrior and irony and environment and things like that. You should write to a irregardless fake, e- fake email and get Nick to read it out. We'll get Nick to read it. We'll get, definitely get Nick to read a few emails out. We'd, we'd love that. So that should be a cracker. So don't miss that. Uh, before that, uh, we've got another edition of 50 Years of Chelsea. Uh, things are looking up because it's 83-84 this week uh, when, of course, Chelsea famously uh, get back to Division 1 where they belong. And we've got the best people on the planet to talk about that, me and JK. The absolute legend, the celery legend that is Kelvin Barker. And, uh, of course, our very own Clayton Beerman. I promised Clayton he'd get a good one to do, and he's got 83, yeah, 84. Clayton Beerman. So there you go. So that's the 83, 84 season on 50 Years of Chelsea. And at the end of the week, uh, another bloody American. I've got on my Chelsea, we've got Brandon Busby. So it's a, it's a London is Blue takeover this week. The Yanks are coming. Over sexed and over here, mate. Shagging our women and drinking our beer. Next week, you'll... In you'll, their dreams. You'll, you'll check in and it won't be you. No, no, they would have taken over. You'll have to put up with them, mate. I'm sure you'd probably prefer it. They'd be much nicer to you than I am. <laughs> you know, but there you go. All right, enough already. Um, so there you go. My Chelsea with Brandon Busby coming out on Friday. 50 years of Chelsea, uh, 83, 84, around the same time. We're back on Monday. Uh, Chelsea Fancast, as you all know by now, is available on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And uh, talking of where you can get it, there's a lovely app called CFC Blues App. And they have all the Chelsea podcasts on them and you can get it uh, by listening to what they have to say here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. And don't forget, of course, uh, you can bung us some money by a pat- Patreon because it all helps. You know, we'd believe it or not, there are costs associated with running this damn thing. Uh, so uh, a bit of money bunged our way by you is lovely, although you don't have to. There is no pressure. Uh, we, we always have these plans of giving you kind of special content, which always fall foul of things like lockdown. That hasn't helped. You know, the little interviews that me and JK did after the game, they've all gone up the swanny, but never mind. We do our best. That's the main thing. And you, you are, there is no pressure for you to do so. But if you want to, it is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and as I said, apart from anything else, it's a good way of getting in touch with me and you can get stuff read out on the show. Okay, now, uh, Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Cheers. Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd. Marco at uh, Gate17Marco. And the other rest of the mob are Joe Tweedy at Goalie59, at Grosserjack UK, at Martin Wickham, at DanSilver73, at Liam underscore Toomey, at CFCGWLB, and at Dean Mears. Blimey, packed show tonight, been great fun. Marco, as ever, a delight to see you, dear boy. My pleasure. You keep well. I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks' time and getting you and Kelvin together to do 84-85. New gold dream, mate. Is that going to be? Is that at the end of the season? Will the season have finished by then? I tell you what, we, you know, because of um, the the shenanigans with Kelvin going away on holiday. Of course he is. I've I've put it back, uh, but I've got you twenty eighth. Yeah, see, no, 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 it won't quite be uh, over. It it'll be just over. I've got you penciled in for the twenty eighth of July for that one. Ah, oh, so we can preview the FA Cup final. We can indeed, but we won't because we will be doing 84-85, okay. mate. 
All right. I look forward to that. It'd be great to get you two together again. It's been a long time. JK, as ever, you are a trooper, sir. You've been very, very good tonight. I've enjoyed your company as ever. Thank you. Thank you. Aided by Marco, as usual. Thank you so much. Lovely stuff. Uh, And as for you, lovely lot in Mixler. Well done. Thank you for your massive amounts of contributions tonight. Uh, As I said, I try and read them sometimes, but sometimes it's all a bit too crazy on here. But anyway, keep well. Lovely to see you as always. Uh, Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.